0: Welcome back, Beer Mile Nation, or if you're new here, welcome to the Beer Mile Podcast. I'm your co-host, Chris. Today on the show, we were beyond thrilled when Joanne Molinaro, also known as the Korean Vegan, agreed to come on the Beer Mile Podcast. If you haven't heard of the Korean Vegan before, well, you should probably go take a look because it has absolutely blown up over these past few years. Joanne is not only an expert in Korean cooking, she is also a master of storytelling, She has amassed 2.7 million followers on TikTok, about a half a million on Instagram, another half million subscribers on YouTube, and I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, those numbers will have climbed even more. I've known Joanne for several years now because she too lives in Chicago and runs for the DW Running Club. I like to say that I knew her before she was famous, but the reality is, at the time that I met her, she had already signed a book deal. And was killing it on the social channels So she was already famous in my eyes And clearly in the eyes of her lit agent as well Signing her on that book deal Her first book, The Korean Vegan Just came out a couple of months ago And she has been super busy, on a tear Getting coverage on all the major news and media outlets Cooking and telling her story on national TV Making appearances on major podcasts like The Rich Roll Podcast And The Cherry on Top Becoming a best-selling author Even if you don't consider yourself a savant in the kitchen, I highly recommend checking out the Korean Vegan Cookbook. We have a link to it in the description because it is so much more than just a cookbook. Yes, there are recipes. There are beautiful photos of food. There are instructions on how to master your craft in the kitchen. But what makes Joanne so unique is when she shares a recipe and shows herself cooking, she is also telling you a story along with it. Her stories are motivational, filled with life advice, insightful into her upbringing and sharing of her Korean culture and some of her stories are just downright hilarious. So I think you'll enjoy reading this one cover to cover even if you don't cook any of the recipes in it but I do highly recommend that you cook some of the recipes in there. Adam and I were lucky enough to be able to join Joanne and her husband Anthony for dinner after the podcast recording and enjoy one of her recipes firsthand. This conversation is absolutely jam-packed and has something for everyone in there. We dive into the Korean vegan and how she has built it as a business over the past five years to now have a best selling book, all while being a partner at a law firm and training for marathons. She has tips and tricks for how she manages time, builds a big social following, and gives a little inspiration for all of you out there hoping to be a content creator yourself. We also go a little off the walls and spend a big chunk of the latter half of the interview talking about crypto, talking about spirituality. You know, the, the tangents that Adam and I find ourselves on quite often with our guests. So this conversation has a little bit of everything. We've got running, we've got food, we've got building a business, creating content, crypto, and just overall upbeat, great stories. If you like what you hear today, we'd really appreciate it if you could share the podcast with your friends, family, share it on Twitter, tag us at Beer Mile. Share it on Instagram, tag us at the underscore beer underscore mile. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star Apple Podcast review. You can also find the video version of this podcast on our YouTube channel, Beer Mile Media. And if you want access to uncut, uncensored, exclusive content, exclusive giveaways, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Beer Mile, and help support the show in that way. Today's sponsor for the podcast is absolutely fitting on the topic of veganism, sustainability, plant-based, eco-friendly, all-world, that's A L W R L D. Our good friends at All World have designed sustainable, eco friendly activewear. And honestly, it is the most comfortable activewear that I have ever personally worn. It is made from recycled and upcycled materials. And they are giving our listeners 15% off anything on their site. So get your orders in now to make sure they arrive by Christmas time. Use our code BeerMile15. That's Beermile15, all lowercase, all one word, and you will get 15% off, plus they offer free domestic shipping. Here's Adam and I telling you a little bit about our experience with All World, the exciting new brand in athletic apparel. Allworld.com, they're all about clean sport, plant-based active wear, sustainable performance wear, and believe it or not, the shirts that we're wearing from recycled, upcycled, uh, natural biodegradable materials, um, this shirt that Adam is wearing is actually 100% on the clean score. It's made of one-of-a-kind seaweed-derived fabric called sea
1: cell. I'm wearing seaweed right Dude, you're now. wearing seaweed. That's kind of nuts. 100%. That's clean. really trippy. Isn't that it nuts? Fe- it doesn't feel like seaweed. That I know. would probably it just, be more it, it feels like your most comfortable active wear you could imagine. I, so I, I, one of my treadmill runs I actually did in this shirt and I was a bit worried because I was like, well, it's like really fuzzy and soft. So I I thought I was going to sweat a lot, but it's actually like really breathable.
0: Right. Right. I'm totally with you. I can wear it for, and it doesn't really show the sweat that much either. Yeah. It's pretty nice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty absorbent. Yeah. So
0: the all world has a clean score that they assign to all of their garments. They add up the percent of recycled upcycled natural biodegradable materials using the Fabric and their overall clean score as a company is 81%, uh, working towards being 100% all recycled materials while well on their way. So, my shirt, my long sleeve that I'm wearing here, 95% on the clean score, fabric made from post consumer water bottles.
1: Oh, interesting. I'm wearing water bottles isn't that nuts they should oh they should come up with a line of teas that like shows you what the majority of it is made from oh, so like this would be man. seaweed that would be like a water bottle that's and a, just like that's a really a good idea like a really simple logo
0: that's a good idea there you go all world you should uh hook that up I actually think that would be sweet like advertise on I mean you could still have these versions where it's just the logo for people right. that don't want it but yeah having a version that's like This shirt is made from seaweed. Yeah. Like that would be a great marketing tactic. I think so. Absolutely. So All World is giving our listeners 15% off and it's free shipping in the U.S. 15% off everything in the store. Use the code BEERMILE15, BEERMILE15, all one word. That will get you 15% off. Probably should get those orders in now for Christmas. True. And they do have good winter gear. They have good summer gear, indoor workout gear. Oh, they they got, the,
1: the shorts that they sent were sweet. The
0: shorts are super nice. Great for running, great for lifting. They look they look good as well so that you can just – I could just wear them in the grocery store. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah, totally. Finish a run at the grocery store, right. walk in, look good enough. They've uh, got good athleisure Absolutely. Style. Yeah, so everything, sports bras, yoga pants, tees, long sleeves, quarter zips, uh, sw- joggers, sweatpants, whatever they call them these days, they got it all. So allworld.com, A-L-W-R-L-D.com, Beer Mile 1-5 is the code. And here's Joanne, the Korean vegan.
1: How do we even kick this one off? I know, I thought introing with Dave was hard.
0: Yeah, past guests, we always typically have an idea of how we're going to intro but or we or don't necessarily know no, a lot about. of times we wing it yeah but <laughs> this one i think you could say is very unique for us as you, well as i mean this is our this is a big high profile guest uh, compared to I every other guest we've about. had one could argue, i'm a little nervous
1: right now usually i don't get nervous anymore with most of our guests but i'm a little nervous one could argue that there is like no bad way to intro because like whatever you start on joanne's probably like been involved very heavily in better
0: storyteller than kn- us, and no. knows more than we do. So
1: <laughs>
2: no, I definitely don't, especially not about beer and and running miles afterwards.
0: well, we thought <laughs> we thought that veganism. Korean food. It just blends so well with running and beer. Oh, that totally. We had to have so you obvious. on, Joanne. So.
2: <laughs> it's so obvious why I'm on this podcast.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I listened to the Rich Roll podcast with you and I just thought he did such a terrible job. No, yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, obviously
2: somebody needed to clean it up.
0: <laughs> yes, I was like, he, he has so many holes in the story. He missed out on all these pieces of the plot. Completely met. No conflict. I'll
2: make sure he gets that memo. Good,
0: good. <laughs> Please do. I would love to meet Rich someday. That's, that is the goal. <laughs> okay, if I I might pick See. one podcast to listen to the rest of my life. I might pick his over our own, to be perfectly oh, I honest, because I learn a lot from
1: Rich. You <laughs> might you might have to check my Spotify <laughs> rap. He might be higher than ours.
0: <laughs> so we're fortunate to be with Joanne, the Korean vegan today, in her home. And a number of reasons that we were able to make this happen. But one being very cool that we live like less than a mile apart. Oh, perfect. That is awesome. As well as both part of the same running club here in yes. Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I knew you before. Well, I knew you when you were you know famous still, but uh, less okay. famous <laughs> than you are now. Arguably, a lot more famous now. <laughs> <laughs> Let, maybe let's just start there in Chicago. You know, knowing you through the running scene, how is the, the running part of your your life going right now? You started running in 2013, and you've come a long way since then. So, how's how's the running piece?
2: Yeah. So I am. First of all, for your audience, everyone should know I. Um, am a recreational runner at best. Um, I'm, uh, otherwise known as the slowest runner on our running club, which I'm, I'm totally okay with, but I just want to make sure we manage expectations here. Okay. Um, I'm not a, a beer mile champion. i actually don't drink beer cause I'm allergic to alcohol. Um, so I just want to set that stage. Um. Running has been going uh, okay. I'm actually in the middle of what I'm calling my 30-day challenge to get back into running form. I ran the Chicago Marathon in early October thinking that it would be a good idea to launch my first book and train for a marathon (laughs) at the same time. And in retrospect, I'm not sure... I would do things exactly the same way. Uh, It was by far the most agonizing, painful and slowest uh, marathon I've ever run, my fifth. Um, And a couple, I think like maybe 10 days, I gave myself 10 days to fully recover from the marathon and I went on a run and I rolled my ankle on an acorn Again, oh no. literally like almost in the same, same place.
3: Too.
2: <laughs> oh man. Um, and uh, as a result of this was the worst, uh, I've done it multiple times, but this one, I actually ended up having to go to a clinic and pick up a pair of crutches because they could not oh walk. No. Oh um, and it was so painful. So it was the worst. And my ankle is still a little tiny bit twingy. Um, So I'm slowly getting back to today. I ran six miles, which is the longest. There we go. Yeah. It was the longest distance I've gone since uh, running the marathon. So that's where it's at. It's actually kind of nice. Like It's nice to take it easy, not be training for anything right now and just trying to get back to where I was.
0: I'm I'm actually surprised. I feel like every marathoner, once you finish a marathon, you already have in mind what your next marathon is going to be. But you don't.
2: No, I don't. And I think it was partially because I was so miserable (laughs) in Chicago, like it was so bad. And then also because I literally, um, October 10th was the marathon, October 11th, I had a photo shoot and I was like, I'm just letting you know, like the photographer, was like, I'm letting you know, like, I literally can't move. So just, you're going to have to like position me in very normal positions. Um, and then October 12th was my book launch and I literally had to fly to New York that night. And I've been traveling nonstop ever since. I've, this is my first, like, real long time at home since yeah. that day. So okay. assuming
1: assuming the book launch went better than the marathon.
2: Yes, it did. It did. I actually placed, <laughs> 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 um, you know, when it came to the book.
1: On the podium. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I
2: made it on the podium, number three. Um, but uh, Not so with, I mean, honestly, I, you know, Dan, our coach, uh, you know, we kind of both, decided like our only goal yes that's my book. There we go. Um, Flashing it for the camera th- there here. There you go. <laughs> the only goal that I had was to finish the race. I didn't think it would take me quite as long as it did. Um but I literally went to the bathroom every single time I saw a porto potty. So I think that really Oof. contributed. Those days yes. Happen. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um I was like I'm taking every excuse to not run right now. Um but you know normally I am exactly that way. I have a race picked out you know, as soon as I cross that finish line, okay, I'm going to do Indy next or I'm going to do Houston next or, you know, any number of different ones.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, marathon training harder, arguably harder than, you know, anything else where it's like, you have to dedicate to do a marathon really well. You have to dedicate so much time. And yeah, between like being a lawyer and book launch and everything you're doing on socials, I can't even imagine. And like, even our, our last guest we just had Ben true, like having a baby, like a month or two before his New York city marathon, I was just like, the timing not not yeah, uh, not, not ideal, ideal. Not, ideal. <laughs> not ideal so you can't you got to be happy with whatever comes out of that and yeah. not hold yourself to too high of standards you know one,
1: one thing that I would be interested to know that we've asked a few guests before is like what's what's your time split between like your commitments uh, as a as a partner as Like, for all of your content, for your book launch, like, where do you spend your time day to day, right? Like, for the past week or so?
2: Well, for the past week, it's very different than what it was when I was training, right? Um, Right now, I basically do no law. Um, uh, The only law that I really did was I went to my office yesterday, I think, um, for the first time since the book launch to sign books. So that's what that's what I did. And I caught up with some of my partners or former partners and, you know, took care of some administrative items that my assistant had left for me. So that's really all I do. I maybe look at my emails, you know, every once and again and just laugh at how I don't need to respond to any of them so it's just so wonderful um so I would say like one percent is uh law um and then you know content creation right now I mean basically when I'm not sleeping and I'm not running and even while I'm running I have my phone with me to capture footage I'm doing content creation so it's like every waking moment of the day right now
1: what um like obviously content creation and practicing law are very different. Like what of your quote unquote past life do you bring into the content creation arm now?
2: Well, that's a really good question, Adam. I think that, I don't know if you guys, um, listen to the podcast with rich, with David Epstein, like he's, I have heard. Yeah. Yeah. That is like one of my, like that was definitely a light bulb podcast for me. It really, helped me to reshape the way that I thought about my career and my future. And the thing that I love about his book, Range, and his Mm -hmm. whole thesis is, like, everything that you've done, every failure that you've had can be leveraged for your future. Mm -hmm. So instead of thinking of it as a waste, think of it as experience that you can use now to create a very unique um, career, right? Because there's nobody who's going to be identical to you, Mm -hmm. if you utilize that as your kind of lead up to whatever it Mm -hmm. is, your next chapter. And so like for the law, obviously, um, writing is a huge, you know, portion of what I do now. I write a lot as as a cookbook author, um, as a content creator, I'm writing all the scripts and I'm, you know, writing all the captions and things like this. I'm writing a lot. And I learned to write very clearly and succinctly Uh, as a lawyer, because I was always under word count limits or page count limits. And now I'm just under time limits. Right. Yep. And I also learned how to advocate. Um, That's my job. I was an advocate. So now I'm just advocating um, different groups and different messages. Right. So definitely communication is something that I honed over 17 years in my career as a lawyer. I think also time management Mm -hmm. and and learning how to effectively um, manage multiple streams of work at once. So those are things that I definitely still use from my career as a lawyer.
0: Yeah. And we've actually talked about this where I, I think it can, even though they're obviously direct overlaps, communications, all those pieces, but being that there are differences, we've talked about how like the podcast is like a break from our normal day job. Oh, so you got to switch it up. So yeah. it's it's nice to get the enjoyment out of doing something that's different from what you get yeah. to do day to day and like switching it up. So I think it, even if it's not direct, like my skill sets at work don't necessarily directly impact my skill sets doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. They like complement each other in that it's like triggering a different part of your brain. Like you're doing something different to switch it up as well. So Agreed. I can see that being a, a big part of it. Um, so do you, I guess, in especially in these last couple of years, I was curious on, you know, still practicing law, et cetera. Do you get the same, like over time, did that enjoyment from content creation, sharing your stories, did that continue to grow and law kind of went down? And so that overtook it. Is that kind of how you looked at when, when the timing would be right to make the the transition or, um, did did you still like, do you still get the same fire from doing law? You just don't have enough hours in the Mm. day to (laughs) do both both of them. So you have to pick Mm. one or the other.
2: I would say that my appreciation for my career, um, actually grew, um, as I became more confident Mm -hmm. in my job. So I would say the first three years, and this is probably true for many junior associates at a large law firm, were the most difficult years. And the the years where I felt Most at risk of leaving my job. Like, I literally wanted to work for McDonald's during the first three years. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't know what I was thinking, you know. I just wanted to do any job. I was like, I could be a barista at Starbucks. I could be the traffic reporter on the news. I could do anything other than this job. Um, So I was really unhappy at my job the first three years. Not because like it was a bad job, it was a fantastic job, but just because I was so not confident Mm -hmm. and I was constantly second guessing like, you know, do I have the aptitude for this? Like maybe I'm not smart enough or good enough or strong enough or tough enough for this. And that sort of second guessing is agonizing on every level.
1: It also leads to like. It takes so much longer to do your job if you second guess what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> Very true. Very yeah. True. I
2: mean, and this is why, you know, the complaint of every partner is, oh, that associate's so inefficient, right? Right. Because it takes them so much longer and we bill by the hour. So right. that's kind of important. I think as I grew more mature in my career, I became more confident. And as a result of that, I had so much more autonomy over the direction of my career and what I wanted to do. Like, well, I don't want to do this kind of law. So, um, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I'm going to do this. You know, I started um, looking into Bitcoin and crypto and stuff like that because I was just interested in mm-hmm. it, you know, and that ultimately became a big part of my practice towards the end of my you know, legal career. So I think I actually enjoyed it more, but the problem was I never enjoyed it enough, you know, not like, you know, creating content. And I remember I had this moment where this was last year, I woke up super early and I just started editing a YouTube video. And I knew that I had to turn to a legal meeting with a client at around like 8.30. And I was working on it for about an hour and a half. And it was right around that time where I needed to shift gears. And I was like, man, it would be so cool if I could just edit videos all day.
1: Why can't I do that? You can, oh, like feel, you can, can that? feel the excitement <laughs> yes. dial yeah, down. Exactly. Yeah, You're speaking my language.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and like, man wish I could just do this. Like how, like, wouldn't that be so great? And at that time I had no real belief that I could switch careers, but I remember that moment so vividly. And now I'm so grateful that that is now what I do every day.
1: So at that moment, did, were you trying to like kind of scheme up a way that you could make it your full-time job or was it still like kind of a long shot for you?
2: I think in my head, I believed it was a long shot for a very long time. Mm. It wasn't until I signed with my agent and like literally I started getting paychecks as big as my law (laughs) for paycheck that I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I could actually make a career out of this. Um, But before I had never monetized the Korean vegan before. So I didn't, I had no idea like branding and like all those stuff. Like I just was so foreign to me. And it wasn't until I started working with somebody who was able to help me monetize the Korean vegan that I saw its potential as a business. And it wasn't until then, and that was probably around like May of this year, that I was like, oh, well, maybe I could make a viable business out of this. And maybe I should be allowed to dream a little bit. I'm 42. Right. I, I think I've earned this right to maybe dream a little bit. Yeah.
0: And it, it is hard to fathom because that like content creator you know youtuber or tiktok or whatever that that job didn't exist 10 it's, years ago. like yeah. it's, it's new for everybody it's not it's just it. you it's like everyone and and you get advice from mentors that are older than you your parents and they didn't have that as an option growing up so they don't was, know about that they can't advise you on it so you almost do have to just like follow your heart yes and, and really see for yourself or take
1: a leap of faith for yourself to it was one of the most interesting experience i was my uh my brother teaches high school and i was um there for like, he teaches AP computer science. And I was there just cause my job deals with that. I majored in computer science and I was talking to these high school kids and like all of their questions about computer science were like related to like content creation, wow. NFTs, really? cryptocurrency. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Like if I was able to like think like that when I like, or just have that that foresight option. Yeah. (laughs) When I was in high school, like, and they're like asking me like, Oh, was the, did you, degree worth it like or should i just like go and mint nfts
2: i'm like
3: <laughs> oh my gosh like,
1: man, <laughs> man we, would have,
0: yeah, we we should be an nft business instead
1: of podcast yeah. oh my God.
2: that's amazing yeah. yeah well you can nft your podcast so <laughs> oh we, we were
1: we we're talking about <laughs> we yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so so you started okay so you started the korean vegan the website in 2016 yes and then mm-hmm. what like what was the order of the things that rolled out. So now, now you have TikTok's your biggest following, but you also have a big following on Instagram, YouTube. Um, you have the book. So I guess what was that process? So how long was it just, you know, blog and Mm. photo and recipes and that, and, and all of that, and then shifting to social media. And then how did you roll out the social media over time?
2: So I actually started YouTube first and it was because of Anthony. He told me to, he was like trying to get me to be excited about being vegan, which I wasn't. (laughs) I really didn't like it. I was like Did he
1: originally convince you to make the switch? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
2: he went vegan first and he like, you know Propagandized me. No, just kidding. He, like, <laughs> he just like you know stuff my brain with all the books and all the movies, and they were really compelling, including rituals, Finding Ultra yep. and Cowspiracy. It, and kind of,
1: it kind of feels like a conspiracy theory that you're like actually bought into. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm totally. Like,
2: I mean, at first, just I was, yeah, I, At first, I was like very skeptical because I, I just, I was, um, I was paleo. So I just was the exact opposite right. of vegan yep. in yep. many ways. And, and I had just totally believed that veganism was unhealthy. And, um you know, so reading Rich's book, you know, I, and I told him this during the podcast, I was like, your book was really inspiring. And then you got to the part where you stopped eating meat and you just lost me. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, that's kind of how it was. But I wanted to see where my relationship with Anthony was going to go. And I felt that, Joining him... In this adventure of his was part of that, and so I did. And he was trying to encourage me, and he's like, "Your food is so good. You should start a YouTube channel called The Korean Vegan where you share your recipes." So I literally started a YouTube channel that day, uh, called The Korean Vegan. Very nice. Also started an Instagram and a Facebook page, and that's all it was for a while because I didn't want to do a website because I thought it was too much work. But then but, eventually, but still all
1: on the same day.
2: Yes, all on so the, there's the same some day. Some
1: coordination around.
2: Yes. It. Well, I'm. The I'm that type of person like I'm not gonna okay, let me get the,
1: well, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you have to make sure that you <laughs> yeah, get the yeah, handle on sure each exactly. Yeah. exactly
2: so I was like I if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this right exactly. you know
3: Yeah.
2: Um. so I did that and then I did the website a little bit later that year and then I think um, uh, 2017 was when I started sharing my stories on Instagram so before that it was just recipes like mm-hmm. oh look at this recipe I made I veganized this I veganized that and 2017 is when I started taking the captions on Instagram and really kind of writing yeah. uh, more than sharing recipes. And I think that caught the attention of certain people. And ultimately, that led to me being introduced to a lit agent, a literary agent in 2017. Okay. And he was the one who wanted to work with me to arrive at a book deal. So over the year 2017 to 2018, we worked on a book proposal. It doesn't normally take that long, but I was a partner at a law firm, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it took me a year actually to write a book proposal. And within a week of shopping that book proposal out, we had an offer from the the largest publisher in the United States, just Penguin Random House. Um, and we ironed out that book deal, and I had a book deal signed by the end of 2018. So all of that happened while I was still pretty small beans. I had like 37,000 followers on Instagram and that's it. My YouTube like went nowhere. It was just too hard for me to do YouTube. I just mm-hmm. did Instagram and Facebook. In 20 and everything was fine. I just continued to do that. Um and then in 2020 I started TikTok and all of a sudden everything changed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cr- I, w- I was just looking back um to confirm, because I thought you had said you started it in 2020. And then I like scrolled back to your first video is like, there's no way she got to 2.7 million followers <laughs> in one year. There's no way I like had to confirm for myself. Yeah, But, but it is crazy like that. I mean, we have, we have a tick tock. We had like, I don't know, 50 followers for the longest time. We had one, one video that we put up or tick tock, whatever you call it. Um, it's at like a million views. I, and so it's, it, just that one though, the rest of ours have like Thousand five hundred, you know, it's, it's crazy how that works on TikTok, yeah. it's just so different than the other platforms that you can absolutely actually do that.
2: Um, well, now I have to look up your viral video, <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it, it's 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 it wasn't even a good one. It's like, wow. any, see,
1: and this is
0: a, which I one mean, is the,
1: the million? It's, it's literally
0: just uh clips from the beer mile, the world championship. Oh, right, right, just us like the time group for, of people the the just chugging the beer, and then it's to the song, like it's yeah. about time for a drink, yeah. it's a country song. I, I did it like super quick. I was like, this is going to be stupid, but whatever. It like clicked in my head. I was just like, I'll put it out. I would have guessed that any other video that I put up on TikTok would have done better. But it's like, that's part of it is you can't predict. You cannot
2: predict. I, that my first viral video was the same thing. I literally threw my phone up against the wall. Horrible lighting. Yeah. I had no idea how to use captions. It was so ugly and no voiceover, just Anthony in the background playing piano and yeah and it what's, had what's yeah. your theory
1: for why it took off?
2: There are a couple of theories, right? Um, number one, it was one of my earlier videos, and TikTok theoretically likes to reward new creators by making one of their videos go viral, usually earlier on. Mm. and so it kind of like they this is a theory it hasn't been proven, but I've heard it anecdotally so many times, and it mm. certainly happened to me. So they try to like reel you in and what it better. makes total sense. Oh, yeah. That's smart. Give,
3: <laughs> That's give smart. you a little sugar. A little, little uh, example yeah, yeah. taste, yeah. you know, <laughs> so
2: to keep you coming back for more, right? Yep. So there's that. Um, also, like, I think, you know, the problem with a lot of videos is that you overthink it mm-hmm. and then your audience can tell you overthought it. And they don't like that, Mm -hmm. you know? So either they want a perfectly polished experience like my videos now are, or they want something totally on the opposite side of that where there's like almost no thought put into it. And so that might have a lot to do with why it was so successful. I can also tell you the novelty of a beer mile in your world. And perhaps even a little bit in mine. that's like, yeah, beer mile. Totally like obvious. Like we have a champion in our team, blah, 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 (laughs) you know, but for TikTok, you know, the, what?
0: This yeah, guy's yeah, drinking yeah.
2: beer and running miles? Like, there what the hell? Like
0: <laughs> a, There's 20 guys next yeah. to each other yeah. chugging beers together. Yeah. It's very strange. It is yeah. very
2: strange to them. And so That's for true. them, it is like, wow, this is crazy, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I always assumed that the book, it, it makes total sense when you're explaining the timeline. I always assumed the book deal came much later on because I guess in my mind, in, 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 kind of a question that I wanted to get to was around like you using stories instead of instead of saying then add whatever two Mm -hmm. cups of this and (laughs) two teaspoons of that you're actually telling a story along with it and I think that almost that is what makes it unique from the oversaturated just recipes cooking because I know personally countless people that have a food insta and whatever and To stand out from that, it's surprising to me that you were able to get a lit agent interested that early uh, in what you were doing just because there are so many people that are great cooks and have great photography and food instas and everything else. So did they... Uh, like explain exactly what was it because you started incorporating those stories like that yes. was what caught their eye? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes.
2: So I would say, well, pe- let me be very clear about this. And, um, it wasn't like the, I had lit agents like trolling or, you know, going through my yeah. stuff. What actually ended up happening was I started incorporating these stories. Right. And it caught the attention of the biggest vegan Instagram account at that time, who now happens to be one of my closest friends. Right. So Kim Julie, um, she owns best of vegan and you know, that was like a million plus followers at the time. And she loved my writing. She was a writer. She was a poet before she started her account. So she loved my writing. She was like, yeah, your recipes are great too, but I really love your writing. And so she introduced me to her lit agent and that's how it all really happened. And you know, I had like, she started following me when I had 200 Instagram followers. Wow. And so that's, that's why I always tell people you never know who's following you even if you have only a thousand followers if oprah is one of those followers it doesn't matter that you only have a thousand right like and to me like in my you know sort of humble way kim julie was my oprah Mm -hmm. she was one of the most important persons in that sphere and she was following me from literally almost the beginning and as a result of that it turned into a career where i now get to tell people i am a writer Exactly.
0: So what was that process like then end to end writing the book? Um, Was it, I'm I'm assuming very iterative, like you would put together some recipes and because I'm also curious too, like cooking in the book, you have to actually purchase all the ingredients, Mm -hmm. cook it, master the recipe. So there's a lot of not just time investment, but like monetary investment as well, and just like all that iterative process of mastering it. Versus, you can say like a standard just book, you're just sto- sitting, story, and just standing, sure. yeah, yeah, you're just you're just sitting there, just writing. Um, so there's a whole, like, the photography piece of it and, like, so many things coming together, so...
1: So we like, came in with a set of recipes, at least, and went mm -hmm. off of that, or was it just, like, hey, we need to write a book? No, they just knew they wanted her. (laughs) They didn't know what it was going to look like, but they are like, we need
0: her, for sure. (laughs) I
2: mean, both my agent and, ultimately, my editor at Penguin, um, they were like, your recipes are great, (laughs) but, really, it's, you know, it's your photography and your writing, you know? So, like... Which actually, ironically, was interesting because when they got my first manuscript, they're like, "Okay, we need more recipes and less writing." But that's a different <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, but so, like, I didn't have any set recipes. I had like a uh, an outline of like these are the kinds of recipes that I want for each chapter, blah blah blah. And even that ended up getting scrapped. Like that wasn't what we ended up with. But uh, you're right; it can be an expensive process, not just from my perspective, but from the publisher's perspective. Right? They probably, in many ways would make, you know, even more money if there wasn't a photography component to Mm -hmm. it because then they could save on ink (laughs) costs and, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I had a full-time job that allowed me to set aside some money to fund my hobbies. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And, you know, to some degree, like, Okay, well, I'm gonna eat. You know, yeah, <laughs> like so, like well, it's like it's I, not like it's going I, to waste. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I have right. to spend money on groceries anyway. Right. That's true. Or I think where it was expensive was my photography equipment. Yeah, um, some of the travel that I needed to do. I went to Korea with my family to do some research and to you know basically that's the last chapter of the book. So you know those things were expensive and. I'm very grateful for my job because that allowed me to do this book in a way that I could be very proud of and feel good about.
0: Yeah, and so when you sign that publishing deal, do you get like a a stipend over time or how how does even the structure of that work? Because you also mentioned that May of this year was when you really re- like started actually getting paid well for the Korean vegan. So, um, like what, what is the makeup or breakdown of that?
2: Yeah. So I received an advance, um, as part of my book deal, but, and I like, I was overjoyed with my advance. Like I, <laughs> we've, we've already agreed to my second book deal. So now I can say I was very happy with there my first advance. <laughs> um, but like, uh, cause you had 37,000 followers. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know? And I remember when I told my parents, they like literally fell out of their chest chairs and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't realize that it gets paid in four parts. (laughs) (laughs) I only saw like a very small portion of it, um, for most of the writing of the book and certainly would not have been enough to pay all of my expenses for the book. So, you know, um, definitely I had to, inject my own capital into that Mm -hmm. and like i said it wasn't really until this past year that i started seeing like real money Mm -hmm. um and revenue for the korean vegan
1: got it that makes total sense i guess a more like uh blunt question is like how how much runway did you give yourself financially to to make it happen
0: sorry to interrupt this exciting program but Quick plug, All World, ALWRLD.com. The leader in clean sport, sustainable, active wear, eco-friendly. Head over to their website and use code BEERMILE15, that's all one word, for 15% off everything in the store. And that is also free domestic shipping.
1: I mean, this is really good reminders just because I always am so late to buying Christmas presents. Exactly, Go buy your people their gifts. You it's know. so
0: simple. And believe it or not, the shirts that we're wearing from recycled, upcycled, uh, natural biodegradable materials. Um, this shirt that Adam is wearing is actually 100% on the clean score. It's made of one-of-a-kind seaweed-derived fabric called sea cell.
1: I'm wearing seaweed right Dude, now. you're wearing seaweed. That's kind of nuts. 100% clean. That's really trippy. Isn't that it nuts? Fe- it doesn't feel like seaweed. That I know. would probably it be ju- more it, uncomfortable. It feels
0: like your most comfortable active wear you could imagine. Allworld.com, A-L-W-R-L-D.com, Beermile15 is the code.
2: Yeah, so basically I always had in my head, I will not quit my job unless I have a full year's worth of rent, my current rent, like Mm, assuming that I continue to live where I live, right? Right, right? So I had to have a year's worth of rent set aside and socked away. And I would, without touching my retirement money Mm -hmm. or anything like that, you know? So the other tricky thing with it was that, because I'm a partner at my firm, my tax liability is very different than the average person. So you guys get your tax probably withdrawn out of each paycheck, right? So you don't even see the money. I have to make estimated tax payments and they're based upon, you know, my ownership in the firm. So it's somewhat based upon how well the firm does. So it's very tricky for me. And that like kind of tax liability hangs over my head every year. So that was another thing I was like, I need to have a year's worth of rent set aside, plus all the tax payments that I need to make set aside too. And overestimating. Yeah, exactly. So it, like I had to feel very comfortable. Now, ironically, luckily, I had the most successful year of my career the year during COVID. The firm had an incredibly up year, um, you know, weirdly enough. Right. (laughs) And so I had the best year of my career. So I was able to take my year end distribution and just put it away. And I'm like, there's my rent for a year. Yeah. Yeah,
0: That's nice how that works out. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It was very like everything kind of like worked out very well for me. And, you know, I like to believe in signs and I like to believe in, in the universe kind of giving you nudges. And, and I have that sort of element of spirituality in my outlook. And I do think in some ways the universe was trying to tell me, like, it, I will protect you. Like, you do this and, and you'll be okay. And part of that is also having Anthony. Like, having a partner like that in my life also makes me feel like I'm making a reasonable and strategic decision that is defendable.
0: Definitely. So for the aspiring young content creators out there is I'm assuming the book is now going forward is going to be like the main, your main income yes. as a content creator. So are there ways to monetize like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube? Well, I mean, I obviously there's like ad money on YouTube or you can do affiliate deals or partnership deals and promote products on, on other platforms. But is there other successful tips or tricks that you're willing to share on what, how do you monetize those? Unless you're like really just driving people towards something else, like a subscription or a, a book or some other, um, um, source of revenue?
2: I think that for me, it is the latter. Like I'm building a brand, mm-hmm. um, in order to leverage success from other things as a writer, you know, if I ever do something on TV, you know, things like that. So it's all sort of funneling towards a bigger picture for me. And I, you know, for the next five years, as far as I can tell, that's likely going to remain the case. However, Um, It would be silly of me as a business owner to neglect the revenue potential of some of these platforms, for Mm -hmm. example, YouTube. That ad revenue is no joke, man. Yeah, Yeah, for sure, for sure. It is really something to pay attention to. And why not do something that not only generates revenue, but is actually accretive to your brand in any event, right? So that's important. I also have a meal planner that I launched earlier in the year, and that is also another you know, source of pretty steady monthly revenue for us. So those are all like things outside of social media, but that you can use social media for in order to kind of, like you said, um, increase awareness of the brand and to generate conversion. I think for TikTok, the most substantial um, form of revenue generation that happens there is through brand deals you know mm-hmm. yeah. um and even they're little tricky because a lot of brands are just not sure about TikTok yet yeah. you know they're still learning there's a learning curve it's not like Instagram or YouTube where they've got a track record right? right um they don't have a lot of data on TikTok yet but i will say my most lucrative deal has been for a TikTok um branding it, situation it, it seems
0: like it should be yeah. obvious cuz you look at the numbers and people are you're, you're going to get more views on TikTok than you're going to get elsewhere. Yes. Um so it seems like it should be obvious but
2: If that's what they want some some brands want conversion. Yeah. And in True. that case True. then I would suggest YouTube. Yeah. You can't, re- yeah, yeah. You yeah. can't really yeah. measure
1: that with TikTok as of today. Yeah. TikTok
2: is too unpredictable in it order is. to ensure some level of conversion, but um, if you want views and impressions and yeah. reach I mean, I was thinking like in some, some of my TikToks probably have a broader reach than if I were on like a national television show. Just yeah. because, just because I'm yeah, certainly get so many more
0: eyeballs. I,
1: I guess it also kind of depends on like what audience are you trying to reach because obviously not every single demographic is on TikTok.
0: Yeah. I was going to say my, my parents. Uh, saw you on like on TV, <laughs> TV. Oh, really? But like, I mean, I don't watch TV, yeah. so like, I would never see you there. So I'll see you but on TikTok, you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, but you also
1: don't like mindlessly scroll TikTok like I do.
0: I, I don't use I don't use TikTok it's as bad. much, but TikTok still knows that I like the Korean vegan, so <laughs> it puts it in my algorithm. And they know
2: that you're plant based or slant in that direction. Oh, they, and, yeah. And they, and they, yeah, exactly,
0: and they know they know that they even if you don't uh, publicly nope. put it anywhere, they found it one date mind one piece of data
1: at some point somewhere or your purchase history or whatever. So okay, I, I want Joanne to judge Chris and I and. I don't, I don't know how to pitch this, but
3: <laughs> oh I don't know where you're you want going with to this. Judge you. Yeah, I want <laughs> you yeah, to judge us. I want you to
1: judge us on this. So, I, my wife recently told me that I have to take out vegetarian from my Instagram bio because I I like to you know play around if if I've had a few beers and there's <laughs> oh hot, if there's like hot pockets at the bar, I'm gonna have hot pockets, and there might be fake, there might meat, in be there. fake meat in there.
2: Wait, why is that fake meat?
1: Uh, well, there might be, there might be meat. There's, in the there's pocket. meat in there, but oh, not, okay. So you know. if it's like
2: a sausage hot pocket and I would say, look to me, words are words. I don't, I mean like, I don't like, I think if you're selling something, like if you're selling something that's related yeah. to your vegetarianism, then I think you have a responsibility to be pretty clear about what that means, um, objectively. Yeah. So like, then I think that's fair. But like for me, like I would never, like I can't call myself the Korean vegan and eat eat sausage hot pockets. (laughs) That's not (laughs) going to work, right? Um, But at the same time, like, you know, I've talked about this before. I find labels and proxies to be of limited value from a philosophical standpoint. I think they uh, engender gatekeeping in a very not helpful way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think that it really restricts a person's empowerment when it comes to how can I make more compassionate decisions or more, more conscientious decisions? Does it doesn't have to be black and white. Yeah. And I don't like that, but you know, you do you, man, <laughs> 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 like whatever you want to do. All right. Hopefully,
1: hopefully our wives listen to this yeah. one. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. What, and you've, you've talked about this a little bit before and like the, especially from the Korean culture, like meat being a big part of it. And so for the aspiring, or or someone who is i guess mostly vegan or mostly plant based even like the social aspect of like you go to a wedding and there's no there's literally no food to eat that's not uh you know meat based right. um at least in the, the especially in the midwest in the us i'd say it's very heavy in this but um yeah what i guess what's your advice in in that case where uh either pressure from society or direct family because you've had to deal with this direct family or yeah, being like opportunities as well, or you're at a work dinner and you're with a client and they're at a steakhouse and that's where they want to go. And it's like, oh man, are they going to think less of me and not want to do business with me if I don't like eat this steak? Mm. Like, do, w- what advice do you have for people in those situations.
2: I think the most important thing is saying, staying true to your values. You have to understand what your values are before you put yourself into these crosshairs, right? So if you haven't had that little 30 minute chat with yourself where you're like, okay, what is important to me actually? (laughs) Like, why do I eat this way? You know, like if you don't do that and you walk into a wedding and all they have is sausage hot pockets, then, you know, you're much more at risk to do something that might compromise your values because you don't really know what they are, right? So I think the number one thing you have to do is sit down and figure out, well, what's important to you? Are you eating this way for your health? Are you eating this way because you are against cruelty to animals? Mm-hmm. Are you eating this way because of something else? Like, because it's something important to your family? I don't mm-hmm. know. Like it doesn't, I'm not here to judge why you do it, but you got to know what that is before you walk into that situation. And then once you have that sort of in place, it becomes much easier to at least figure out, well, this is like, okay, I'm not compromising right, this, right? This right. right, right.
1: is for or against my values. Exactly. It's, it's much more black and white if, if you've already had like the shower conversation. Yeah. Of, okay, the, like, I love that, I the, the shower
2: conversation. <laughs> and then you can plan for it, right? right? Like then it becomes easier. Like for example – It always this time of year holidays, Mm -hmm. it becomes a little bit tougher for us, you know, dealing with family members and friends and social situations, although less so with COVID. Right. But, you know, I now know like, okay, if we have like family Thanksgiving, I got to bring my food. I got to talk to my mom and make sure that she's aware. Like, can you make this? And you know, what are you able to do? And da 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 da. And it was perfectly fine, absolutely beautiful. And sometimes we do go to weddings and we eat nothing, like literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We eat
1: your food before. Yeah, and, yeah. or yeah. we
2: go to the you know Chipotle two right. doors down. Right. You know, exactly. if necessary, like that's what we do. But if if you're not like a strict vegan, you know, and you have that sort of flexibility and latitude to kind of make discretionary choices like that, then that's up to you. But it's really all the the most danger you could do to yourself. And the most injury you could do to yourself is compromising your values. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, eating the hot pocket. (laughs) (laughs) To me,
1: to me, I like kind of like it's, uh, almost like drinking alcohol where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to probably feel bad afterwards, but I, I might still do it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, and that's the thing. It's like, let's say your value set was, um, you know, because you're training for a marathon, like let's say mm-hmm. you're training for Boston or maybe maybe that's not a good example, but you're training to, you know, BQ Some or, uh, yeah, or, or something like yeah. that, right? Like something really, really important. Then your value set is determined by that, right? right. And so what you're actually injuring is not, you, you are maybe doing a little harm to your body, but more importantly, you're hurting your chances of this goal and this commitment that you made to yourself right. to do um, everything you can to reach that goal. From a mindset
1: perspective, probably the most.
2: Exactly. For sure. And yeah. that's why I say these injuries that are intangible and invisible are Mm -hmm. oftentimes the most pernicious
1: for sure have you uh, i'm I'm
0: assuming this is the case but what what are some times where you've prepared a dish for someone and they didn't even know that it was vegan but they just fell in love with it and they would have never guessed otherwise and then you like kind of told them after the fact like oh guess what that was uh that was a vegan dish I
2: think it's very hard for me to say that know. at this point. Cause everybody knows I'm vegan, oh, you know,
1: it's very hard for me yeah. to trick
2: people. And the only times I'm cooking is when I'm like, I'm doing it as a vegan. <laughs> you know, So like, um, I will say a couple of things like once, um, uh, this was, I think a, Last Christmas or last Thanksgiving, I made a pasta dish and my cousin was like, Joanne, did you just stop going vegan or something? Because it was really good. It was actually using field roast and it was really delicious. And she was like, this is amazing. And she took the rest home with her. Um, So that was one instance. The other thing was, this is very early on when I started blogging, I was asked to do a fundraiser for a North Korean refugee um, fundraising event. And I made pecan pot pie, which is, you know, in the book, and it's one of my most favorite recipes. And I made that. And there are a bunch of other Real chefs, like people who owned restaurants, had culinary training and things like that. And they didn't even want to stop by my table because they're like, vegan food, you know? <laughs> it's compromising. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, Jeez. like, literally there were a couple people who were, like, kind of rude to me, actually. Yeah. And then somebody brought my dessert over to them and they came back and they're like your dessert is like, amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and then 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 they wanted me to start selling my desserts out of their restaurant. Of like course, literally. Yeah. So that was also very um very fulfilling to me. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> very validating.
1: Free content idea. You should just post up at like a, some random corner in Chicago and have a dish that is vegan and a dish that has Ooh. meat in it. And you don't label them. Oh, wow. wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I
2: was going
0: to say, there are definitely cases of that where, I mean, especially with the... Impossible. uh, Exactly. With the Mm -hmm. imitation products, it's hard to tell. But but yeah, you also, even me, I forget that. The dairy side of it too, because even like the meat is more visible if it's there or not. But then like, did it have butter or did it have like all Uh, those things that are exactly all those things that are in desserts and baking usually, those are the ones that can like really trick someone. Exactly. But, But in a good way though, when they, when you have the vegan dessert and you're like, Oh, like it tastes the same or better <laughs> yeah. as yeah. the original. Um, and I don't feel horrible afterwards. <laughs> I,
1: I, will, I will say the best Thanksgiving I had was our vegan Friendsgiving a couple of years ago. Aww. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, we, there's a, I wish I would have taken more food home because I, yeah. yeah,
0: we have a, uh, like a vegan Buffalo dip that we, I don't know if, I don't know if you've had it. I can't, I don't was know for sure, but my wife makes a Buffalo vegan dip, uh. but so it, it's like, uh, it has artichokes, and so it look it ends up looking like chicken, and we've. No one has ever like detected that it's not chicken. Really? <laughs> so, oh my god! I until we get tell this people. Recipe. Until <laughs> we tell, yeah, it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like carrots and can't remember what all else is blended up. So it's like it looks buffalo. The texture, it's orange. Yeah, it's, and it yeah. has the artichokes and the oh, way yeah, it's, no, we've, we've it's baked, I've and it kind of seems like chicken. Yeah. And you take a bite of it, and you're just like, oh, is, you would just think that it's all fats and chicken.
2: Oh my god! And it, I gotta get this. I want to uh, make it.
0: But for then Christmas. let's
1: put it in book number two. My favorite part about like any vegan imitation like that is like, I'll eat it and I'll like, I'm just really bad with snacking on stuff. Like I, I've never, I've never been like a three meal or like even a five meal guy. Like <laughs> you just my, said all day as you decide to eat. My mom guy. and my mother-in-law would always like say I eat like a bird, but yeah. with vegan food, you just like, I'll shove so, like I'll be full, and then a half hour later, I'm like, yeah, I could do more. <laughs> I, could, I could do more. You don't just pass out on the couch. No, nope. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: where where do you get a lot of your ingredients in Chicago?
2: Um, I get all like all over actually. I'll get him from H Mart obviously. Yeah. Um. Also get him from Chungbu Shijang or Chungbu Market, which is another Korean market. And then um, Jewel, Mariano's, Whole Foods. Um, They're getting a
0: lot better at having a lot more yes. variety yeah, of variety, options. Variety, yeah. yeah. Mariano's and, um,
1: has like a whole aisle that yeah. that you can it's actually. F- well, shop I at.
2: mean, not only that, like I don't. I don't need vegan ingredients. I just need like vegetables and yeah, tofu. I mean, these are basic staples of any grocery store. And the the only time I run into issues is Korean ingredients. Like there, then I do need to go to a Korean grocery store. Very
0: specific. Yeah. We actually we're I was looking to see if I could find Korean beer. Somewhere oh. imported somewhere around here for this. Uh, and I looked at, Benny's was the best bet, and Benny's didn't have any. They didn't uh, have any so, at not H-Mart? In, not, uh, I did not go there. Mm-hmm. I did not go there. Uh, but I, I tried Binney's because they have all the import aisles, and I was like, there's got to be one beer there. And they it was out of stock. They said sometimes they yeah. do get something for from Korea. but
2: I don't even know Korean beer. They have this whole thing in Korea, which you couldn't do, but it's called Chimek, um, uh, which is uh, chicken and beer. It's like a huge thing. I mean, yeah, it's a huge thing in Korea. And um, mek is mekju, which means beer in Korean. And so they definitely have lots of different kinds of beers. I've never had Korean beer in my life. So, so is it, is it
1: like either. chicken broth and beer? No, no. It's
2: fried chicken and beer. So it's just a combination. Okay, like, okay yeah. And, yeah. two and together. like it's so like now like in Korea, like they'll just be like, oh, just like chicken and let's do chicken and beer tonight, you know? It's
1: like absolutely, like that, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you cook a lot. What are the best restaurants, I guess, both in Chicago, but also anywhere that you visited? What are some of your favorites?
2: Um, let's see. Let's start with Chicago. My two favorite restaurants in Chicago, one of them is actually in Winnetka, but uh, the one in Chicago is Kill My Name. Um, and it's it's such a wonderful story. I literally was like, oh, I'm hungry, and I really don't want to do the same you know, three restaurants that I do all the time. So I went onto open table and I was like, I just typed in vegan. And the first one that came up was Kale My Name. And I was like, I've never even heard of this restaurant. Like, what is it? Um, How is it possible that there's a vegan restaurant that I don't know about in Chicago? And it turned out that they started literally like, a week before lockdown and that's probably why i hadn't heard of them and they did only like delivery and takeout for a long time and they had just reopened their outdoor balcony or patio area so i love that restaurant and i go in there and the owner's like so you don't have to feel bad but i totally dm'd you a long time ago and you never even he read re- it he recognized you <laughs> yeah. oh that's great and he oh, but he, he's now like my best friend like literally uh, yeah i love him like i'm, I'm going um, to go see him in la next week because he's opening his second restaurant in Los Angeles. Oh, amazing. That's awesome. So he's amazing. And then a spirit elephant, which is another all entirely plant-based restaurant in Winnetka, Illinois, which is where I grew up. You know, I went to high school at Nutrier So that's always Sorry really exciting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Savage. where did you go? Warren.
2: Uh, where?
1: Warren. I don't Town even Chef. know where that is. That's, that's North of, of Nutrier Nutri- yeah. Nutriere was always, um, God, we would like run against Nutria in high school and it was the worst. Like, really? They, was, uh, they always like won everything. <laughs> yeah. They were good at everything. I actually had a few um, like sweet mates in college who were, who would like row at Nutria. And I was yeah. like, we didn't even have rowing. We do all
2: that. We have like a, a polo horse <laughs> team. Yes. We, oh, have, wow. we have like every weird thing. I was yes. like, wow, our school is weird. Um, <laughs> but I love Nutria. I love my experience there. Um, and then across the country and the, even the world, ABCV is our favorite restaurant in Manhattan right now. Um, we love Joy Cafe in uh, Westlake, which is where we want to live because of Joy Cafe. <laughs> um, we uh, love Turin in Italy just because they have so many vegan restaurants there. There was a wonderful place called Soul Kitchen, which is just like completely innovative, amazing vegan food run by incredibly talented chef. And then in Rome, Mava, which is where we had our rehearsal dinner, you know, the day before our wedding is, is hands down our favorite restaurant in Rome. It's an entirely vegan restaurant. I mean, they're so mission centric. It's beautiful. And, um, I think those are some of our favorite restaurants. I feel like the,
1: like the taste and almost science aspect of vegan food has exploded in the last 10 years.
2: It really has. And I mean, for example, you have, you know, places like Eleven Madison Park, which was, you know, ranked one of the greatest restaurants in the world, right. uh, going plant-based. Um, and then, you know, there's another restaurant here in Chicago called Roka Accor, which you may have heard of. It's a Japanese restaurant and they'll do an entirely vegan omakase for me every time I go there. And it's phenomenal. Like, is that,
1: is that special for you or is that on the menu?
2: It's not on the menu. Oh, yeah. Menu, so menu
1: hack. If you're. <laughs> yeah.
2: If you're vegan. And I learned about this from my partner, David at work, he's been vegan for Jesus. Like since I was, was a second year associate oh, wow, yeah. so for a very long time and he's like oh Joanne if you you know have a special occasion I would go to Roka they have a not on the menu vegan omakase that they can do for you and true to his word it was phenomenal. It's so good. Um, so like when these amazing, talented culinary artists decide that they want to channel their talent and skill towards plant-based cuisine, it is truly remarkable. Actually, I remember right after Indy, I did Indie Monumental in 2018, I think right after that i went directly to this amazing restaurant in indianapolis i don't remember what it's called but i had to go there for a client meeting 2 weeks before the marathon and i just remember their food was so good and i went there and they did an entirely plant-based menu for me and it was one of the best meals i'd ever had it was so good
0: yeah so it most cities are getting some options now i was going to say indianapolis yeah. kind of it's a big city so bound to be options but uh I would it's a little shocking though that yes, there's a you know yes. yeah
2: in Indianapolis yeah, you know exactly kind of, like, uh, you know but he was so talented he was such a good chef and he came out to talk to me afterwards and you know obviously when you got that medal on everyone's like wants to right. congratulate you but yeah. that was really really nice
0: that's cool well listeners if you've uh, been to any of these places that Joanne said around the world yeah, cuz I, I haven't been to any outside of Chicago so really not no, well, none of the ones you listed, at least. Oh, I've been, you mean I've these been restaurants? I've oh,
2: never been to LA. No, 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 no. no. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> i was
0: saying if, if anyone has happened to be at these restaurants that yes. you yes. just mentioned, have you been to Kalish here in Chicago? Yeah, I've been okay. to Kalish.
2: We went there a lot, like when they first opened, um, and we, we we were going there pretty regularly right up until COVID, and then it just became a like because they're all the way in uptown, and yeah. so they're, yeah, they're a
1: little west, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so
2: we just you know, kind of stopped going there. And then also like, I'm not really into baked desserts. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, if I'm going to eat dessert, I usually like to make my own. Yeah. Um, and I always kind of viewed them sort of as a confectionery, vegan confectionery.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Can I, can I slander uh, a place in Chicago? Depends on what the place is.
0: So I'm going to give you permission until you, uh, my,
1: my like, vegan option for mcdonald's is, is native foods like when i'm feeling like a piece of shit i'm like <laughs> i want i want a double cheeseburger with bacon with you want you bacon. want the
0: exact american equivalent yeah, of, yes. of the uh, plant-based go to, version go
1: to native yeah. foods so. well, uh, yeah
2: i mean that's like really nice because they are very convenient you know they're yeah. super Extremely. convenient yeah i will
1: say last time i went in there like this is like peak covid hours i think it was probably 7 p.m. on a Tuesday, like a very off day. I like went in, stood there for this is the first, like the first time in 6 months that I'd gone to the uh the actual physical location. Yeah. And I just like stood there for five to 10 minutes and like nobody came out because like everyone was just grabbing the, the door dashes and, and Uber Eats. And then, I, and then I just left and then I ordered it on my phone.
3: <laughs> you oh. like, I'm going to do this on I was my like, didn't have to check here.
1: <laughs> well, was, oh, nobody was paying attention to me. Oh like,
2: my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's when you know you have hit like McDonald's levels. <laughs> yeah, I was
1: like, I, I guess I'm Uber
0: <laughs> Eats in this. So a question I had on the book. Um, I haven't tried to make any of the recipes myself yet. I only I only got the book recently. So for me or for anyone who says is, is new to cooking vegan or especially Korean, which recipe in here is the best one to start with?
2: Oh, okay. I um, would say uh the pecan pot pie. Um
0: that was actually drawing my yeah, eye a little yeah. bit. It looked amazing. <laughs> yeah, still it's, holiday uh, it's it, still holiday it's, season. It's, Perfect timing. Yeah, if I can learn to cook that well before uh, it's really, Christmas, yeah, that's
2: that's the thing. It's so easy. It's like practically brainless. I mean, like especially like I would recommend getting a pre-made pie crust, which you can get, you know, at Whole Foods. Like it, yep. they have them at, at Jewel, at Mariano's, I think even, and it's vegan. Um, and all you have to do is then make the filling, which is literally dumping a bunch of ingredients into a bowl, mixing it around and then putting it into the pie crust and then throwing it I in think the I oven. Can handle that. yeah. <laughs> That's like my, like my
1: caveman level of cooking it's ability. Really, it's it's
2: <laughs> practically not even cooking. I mean, cause you're literally just mixing things. Um, the only tricky part about it is the ingredient, which is red bean. You have to get that from a Korean grocery store or Amazon. You can order it. I often do. Um, So that's the only tricky part. Once you get your hands on that, I I saw literally like hundreds of people make it for Thanksgiving and it was really joyous to see it.
1: Yeah, that sounds... How how weird is that to like... I'm I'm sure people like post you or uh, tag you in posts or like their stories on Instagram. How weird is it to see just like, oh, in my DMs, I have like 400 people who made my dish for Thanksgiving.
2: Yeah, it is very surreal, um, and a little nerve wracking to be honest. Cause it's like, you know, like, let's say you, the two of you decided to go into coaching how to become a beer mile champion and you wrote like a pamphlet or like a little booklet out there. And then somebody was like, all right, I'm going to take this and I'm going to do everything that Chris and Adam tell me to do. And I better become a beer mile champion. And they totally fail. They like throw up all over the place. And yeah, like, right, you know, right. like, totally bomb. Right. Then you're going to feel like, uh, oh, like did Some I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel every time someone makes a recipe is like, like, mm-hmm. did it go okay? <laughs> like, was it good?
1: Yeah. I Need have, like a like a feedback form on the yeah, website. It's a like, little bit. Like, like yeah. you,
2: and you do have that. Mm-hmm. You know, you have stars and ratings. And like every once in a while I, I will get people be like, this didn't work out for me at all. And I'm like, okay, well, what did you do exactly? <laughs> like, you know. But you know, a lot of it is also just just joy, like mm-hmm. oh my god! Like people are actually making my recipes and eating them. Like I can't yeah. believe it. <laughs>
0: yeah, was uh, reader feedback part of the process for finalizing recipes in the book too, or, or did you not need to really adjust it that much?
2: Well, no, I did not have any anyone read it other than my editor and the copywriters. Yeah, right. right, I had anth. Uh, that's not true. I had Anthony read it and. You guys, you know Anthony. Um, He does not mince words. Um, And he was very harsh, to be honest, uh, with my first draft. And uh, we got into some pretty colossal... Fights over it. Um, because I think I just went into it being like, you're my husband, you're just supposed to cheerlead me. Like, you're never yeah, supposed right. to actually say that you don't like something. Right. <laughs> like, not when it was this important, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, in his mind, he was only useful to me if he was honest with me. So, definitely his feedback absolutely impacted the writing. Um, I had the, in terms of recipes, I had my family test a lot of them or we developed them together and you know, mm-hmm. I continue to refine them. And so I felt that they were really good. Um, there were a few that obviously needed to be adjusted once I had them recipe tested by not myself, you know, <laughs> somebody else. And they're like, mm, I don't really understand this part, you know? Right. And then the copywriters, they really helped me a lot. Yeah.
1: I can only imagine. I, I think the, the copy is like the main difference. Cause I, One of my biggest, especially like the few times that I try to cook, my biggest block is, is, I, I Google the recipe that I want to make. And then I find like this long story that I've heard like 500 times before, mm. but like <laughs> something about the Korean vegan is like unique enough to where I'm like, Oh, like a story that I actually give a shit. About. Wait, wait,
0: <laughs> so what do you do, What do you mean by the story? Are you talking about like when you click on a recipe online and,
1: and there's like they four, just, part, well, they
0: just want to make the page as long as possible. So you see more ads. So yeah, you're just talking about true. how they say, Oh, like what is sugar? What is, you know, how like they, <laughs> but it's, like, it but it's like, it's like not
1: compelling at all. I'm like, well, yeah, like, cause I, it's not like a, <laughs> (laughs) Story though, (laughs) they're they're
0: describing. It is more
1: of a description than a story.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's just for SEO rankings. They're like adding in all this like copy (laughs) to make the SEO better. I never thought
1: about the SEO, but yeah, that's why. And the
0: ingredients are at the bottom because they just want to get all the ads.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that true. is 100% if they're not actually true. trying to
0: tell you a story, well, they just want, I mean, no, some cases, some
2: cases. I
0: I'm talking about like the major, major websites, like, uh, I don't know, BettyCrocker.com or something like that. I'm just making the things. <laughs> um, but like some of the <laughs> big brands. betty Crocker. Uh, yeah. It's like, just skip skip down. I'm not t- I'm not talking about the uh, the more, uh, for lack of a better word, like mom and pop, like actual, sure, like sure. The, sure. the recipe blogs or like people that I follow on Instagram that make recipes. <laughs> I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about like the. Commercial. the commercial. Yes. website like yeah. the the recipe section of I don't know the USA Today or like whatever whatever it is I'm, I'm totally yeah. making stuff up I'm <laughs> on on the
1: actual brands. That's but. a good like Chrome plugin something that'll scroll to wherever well. The recipe I, I think you know
2: when you delve into that world. I- I hear you. I I mean, I used to be one of those persons too. I was like, just skip to the recipe, please. Yeah. You know, but then as a food writer, I then discovered, well, this is how bloggers make money and it's, it's really important to their living. And so I try to read them when I, and I actually find incredibly useful nuggets like buried in them oftentimes like, oh, this is how I would make it gluten-free or like, oh, like I didn't know that you had to flatten things before you could shape them, you know? So there's a lot of really useful Information and I can tell you as a blogger, I spent hours writing it. <laughs>
1: well, I, th- I think yeah. the weirdest thing, and and hopefully you, like don't take offense here, is like if I'm like if I'm reading one of your recipes, initially it is for any sort of story behind it. Mm. Whereas like if I'm just googling something, I'm like just give me like no, in- inject so the recipe <laughs> yeah. into me. And, and I, that, well,
0: it, I think that's also us being more. From, I mean, coming from like tech and math and whatever, Yo, yeah. it's like, we just want the rest. Like we want the math, like tell me yeah. exactly which is yeah. in, in, an art in my head, and this is wrong. I just think, Oh, if you tell me combine this with this, with this, with this, it's just a formula and I can spit out the, the, the food item, but that's not actually how it works right. because there's different things that happen as a part of that process right. versus just I, I'm a, I'm a very much like a, a one skillet, a one pot person where I'm like, just let me put everything into, into the one thing, cook it. It's going to be good enough. Call it a day. This is
2: why the pecan uh, pot pie is uh, your and recipe. This is, <laughs> it, and when
0: you said that, I was like, this is perfect for me as a, as a gateway because I can just combine everything together, get that going. And then next time I'll step up to two pots, two, you there know, you maybe I can throw in a rice cooker at some point. I <laughs> just I just find I'm to too impatient. And not that I so I actually love cooking, but I'm too impatient in the sense that I just like in my head I'm like, oh, I'm spending so much time to cooking grok this the story versus the opportunity re- cost recipe. of like oh, I should be doing more work or more doing more of something else. And I and I sh- I shouldn't feel that. That's my that's my own problem. But I should be more like enjoying the process of cooking versus just, can I just throw all these things together well, as best as I can? I
2: think that, you know, you, whatever you derive joy from is unique. And if you derive joy from doing two things at once and making you know yourself feel productive and there's something to it, I will say I'm often listening to something while I'm cooking, whether it's a podcast, a book or something like that to do exactly what you just described, make myself at least feel like I'm not losing out on an opportunity to improve my brain or to provoke my intelligence Ooh. in some yeah, way, you yeah, know?
0: Yeah. Very true. Yeah. That That's- I, I actually cooked a lot more in college than I do now because in college you I realize now, looking back, I had a lot more time than I had you. Yeah, totally. yeah. it's like oh,
1: I'm in class for four hours a day, and then man, we're talking about opportunity day. costs and wanting to like I maximize uh, intelligence stimulation. I feel like I was just at my last uh, like therapy session. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so you teased a second book. What's is there a different angle, or what? What are you looking at for a, a second book?
2: So, the second book is. Um, I think I'm allowed to share it, but I mean, it's probably, no surprise. it's going to be a cookbook for sure. Um, and they're going to be simpler recipes. I know that my current cookbook, one of the, you know, feedback that I've gotten from a lot of people is that it's so straightforward. It's so easy. These recipes are really clear, which makes me so happy. I wanted to write it in a way that made Korean vegan food as accessible as possible. But this next book is going to be even more accessible (laughs) because it's, It's not going to be traditional Korean food. It's going to be more fun food, like the recipes you see on my TikTok and my YouTubes, which is like, you know, potato, deep fried potato donuts, you know, like things like that, which are like, wow, this is really fun. And uh, I, you know, I can make it out of all the ingredients already in my pantry. I don't need some, you know, unusual ingredient that's hard for me to get. Um, That's really the goal of the cookbook. It's also going to intersperse sort of life advice, Which is, you know, kind of a take on one of my popular TikTok personas, which is the Korean auntie. Um, you know, yes. which gives, you know, life advice, tough love life advice. Yep. So that's really what the book is going to be. It's going to be, you know, an extrapolation
0: of those TikTok videos. God, people are going to love that. I they're hope love so. That. Oh, they're definitely going to love that. <laughs> that's like the the, the, the right food and the personality combination that I, it's going to hit. I it's hope like
2: so. Yeah. Korean, <laughs>
0: Korean chicken
1: soup for the soul.
0: type. A little advice. bit. Oh, kind yeah. of
2: like that's exactly right. Only with actual recipes of vegan chicken right, soup. Right.
0: Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, do you have like a goal timeline for this like is it like a two-year project what does it look like i
2: think um i'd like to get a manuscript done by next year okay. um you know by fall of next year so that it can be published sometime in early 2023 awesome um so that would be the goal but you know like i'm th- throwing these dates out around like we yeah. had all sorts of dates in line right, over you know, right. the first one, all of which were, you know, in smithereens thanks to me being a partner at a law firm and also COVID and yeah. You know, exactly. so like, yeah. Right.
0: That's so cool. Um we do have a couple of listener questions that I want to make sure to okay, ask about go for as well. It. The only
1: got to pull them uh, up for I'm like trying here. to uh stay on topic, but all I can think about right now is cryptocurrency. Oh, and, cool. Okay, well, wait, let's go there. Let's <laughs> go there. We're uh, d- well, talking the, to one of on the
2: few persons who probably could talk crypto okay. for a very long time.
1: <laughs> uh, the things that are on my mind are crypto, and uh, you touched on spirituality a little bit, which is like something we never talk about on the podcast, but we, we don't, we never go that deep on the podcast. <laughs>
3: It doesn't have to be deep. I just think your
1: perspective is interesting, Mm -hmm. like uh, uh, nudges from the universe.
2: Yeah, so I think I, I was very religious growing up. My parents were incredibly, well, my mom was, my dad's like, Totally not, actually. But my Define mom was
1: real, like, like
2: like we we US went to church. Religion. Yeah, we okay. went to church all throughout my life, you know, and I grew up in the church. My first husband was through church. I mean, my whole social life was church. I was, you know, praise team leader. Um, I, you know, went to a church in college that is now considered a cult, apparently. <laughs> um, I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which, which church is this? It's at, well, I went to the University of oh, Illinois yeah. and it's. You know, it's Covenant Fellowship Church has now fallen into bad repute. (laughs) Um, Oh, no. (laughs) But um, so I was very religious growing up. So spirituality, even in a very structured and dogmatic way, has been a part of my life, my whole life. Right. It's not something new to me. Um, I Obviously, I had a break from, you know, at least institutional religion, religion. during my first marriage, I felt like God had abandoned me (laughs) and I was like, I'm abandoning you back, you know? (laughs) Um, and so you just had that sort of kind of existential moment where I was like, I don't, this isn't working for me. Um, and people can call it what they want to, but at the end of the day, I always feel like there is a God and I think that God loves me. And wherever I end up going, you know, it's kind of like He anchors me, and I can go as far away as I possibly want to and can. But at the end of the day, you know, He kind of pulls me back, right? So that's kind of my very romantic notion of God. However, in the past year, especially after rereading Finding Ultra, you know, I read I reread it for, you know, homework for meeting Rich yeah. <laughs> at the podcast. It's like, I am not going I, I down. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I am yeah. re-reading his book. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I reread his book and you know, his wife is very spiritual, as you may know. Julia is yep. very in touch with the kind of um, the vibrations of the universe, if you will. And I think for a long time, I kind of was like, mm, I'm too analytical for that. You know, I, I don't believe in that. I'm too logical for that and, and very skeptical. But um, I think maybe at that point in my life, I needed that sort of energy to take the risks that I was contemplating. And, you know, reading his book and hearing sort of Julie's voice through that book, I, I, I remember I was, I was running, I was training, right, for the marathon and I was running and I literally listened to this part where um, Julie was talking to Rich about him deciding to quit his law firm job, right, because he had a very successful practice mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and he wanted to really pursue ultra running at the time. And, and Julie was like, Let me ask you a question. If you recover, he was in the hospital, I think, after Mm -hmm. an injury. He's like, if you recover from this, are you telling me you're going to give it up You really are going to go back to being a lawyer and give up. You know you're not, right? And she said this in this way. And I've met Julie now a a couple of times. And she is a very tough love persona. I mean, I think she comes off as very, like, loving. And she does have that sort of wonderful, nurturing, divine woman side to her. But there's also a very, like, no-nonsense, you know, no BS woman in her. And when I heard that, I was just like, this is the universe talking to me, I feel like. And I really need to start believing in this, whether it's real or not for my own mental health, I needed to. And I think it's sort of wonderful and beautiful to believe in sort of the kind of loveliness of this idea that there is something out there that will protect you. And, you know, one of the things that, and I'm paraphrasing that Rich says in his book and that I've heard now many, many times from him directly and from his team directly is, you know, the universe will protect those who serve the universe. And I love that idea. And, and that was really what ultimately kind of catapulted me into doing what I did, because it was like if it was just for like fame, fortune, right. money and yeah. all of those things, then I would have been like, mm, I don't know. But because it was for what I believe to be a greater purpose, which is spreading the message of compassion and empowerment to as many people as possible, then I did feel like, all right. I think at least to some measure, the universe will try and protect me as much as it can.
1: When I feel like if you're trying to do it for like popularity, you're not going to be as vulnerable, I, mm. I wouldn't think. And no. that's what, in my opinion, is one of the main drivers of success, or at least like, you know, something that would blow you up like that. Um, I also think there is like a, a certain like f- as, as a fellow, um, what is it, left or right brainer? Which one is right? Is is
2: creative. Left is analytical. Okay, as a fellow like
1: left brainer, um, (laughs) I think there is like an analytical portion of like the whole kind of. I don't know what you would even call it, like the hippie universe vibe. Uh, (laughs) I love that. Well, because I used I used to get like my mom is very. Right-brainy and uh, like all about how the universe will take care of you, and I was like, "This is some dumb yeah, shit." Yeah, I don't know, the universe is gonna f you over. Yeah, that's like, what I used to yeah. like you've, you've never had a bus drive past you and hit a pothole yeah. with a puddle in it. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think um like when you when you're originally like kind of putting yourself out there, taking risks, I I feel like when I've done that historically, you kind of like double down, and as you continue to keep having those risks being proven as successful, that's what kind of drew me to that line of thinking where I'm like, oh, well, like it's happened X amount of times in the past. And that's something that I can count on in the future. Probably.
2: I think that there's, you know, a level of um, ownership, right? Like you should take stock of yourself and how much you bring to these opportunities, right? What's that great, you know, Maxim, which is like, you know, luck is only you being prepared to take advantage of those opportunities, right. right? Like, So I think there's definitely something to that, but I don't want to gloss over this definition of, you know, universe, spirituality, all of that, which is this other component, that you have no control over, right? Right, Like you do not control it. There's something extra to that that is working normatively on your behalf. And I think that what's wrong with believing that? I mean, like, what's it gonna hurt? Like, who's it gonna hurt to believe that? Nobody, like, it really doesn't hurt anyone to believe. I mean, maybe if you're delusional about (laughs) it, you know, (laughs) but like, if you believe that there's a little sprinkling of that every once in a while in your life, I think that that's a good thing. Are gonna, you guys going to mint your NFTs
1: now? Uh, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm holding myself off because I know I'm just going to talk about tattoos and spirituality. <laughs> so Chris can get us back on track. With I her, mean, though. there's
0: nothing, there's nothing to be on track for. We're just here to chat it. it you right. go. Yeah. Cool. You, do you want to, do you want to keep going down the
1: spiritual route? The the rabbit hole is Sure. Whatever you, whatever you want. I, it's
0: not what I want. <laughs> yeah, I think it is what
1: you want. What does Joanne want? <laughs> what is Joanne?
0: Want? I'm,
2: I'm happy to chat about tattoos. I have eight of them myself. I'm happy to well, chat there about. There we go. <laughs> nice, nice. We can chat about crypto. We can chat about more spirituality. Whatever you gentlemen have in store. It
1: all I think sounds great. I think our listeners would be interested in crypto specifically because you mentioned that you worked. Somehow related to it in in your time as a law professional, that, wait, did talk. did you actually work or that is just an interest of your own?
2: Uh, it became um, it definitely became part of my practice towards okay. the end. I represented um, the largest class of creditors in the first ever real Bitcoin bankruptcy filed under the U.S. bankruptcy. Got bill. it. Okay. Wow.
0: Okay, this, we're in the That's we're in the right so space. Cool. So we have, we have a lot of listeners that we, I don't.
1: We have a weird blend of listeners. Yeah, I would, I was,
2: I would not have guessed. So we,
0: I, I feel like we have a lot. I mean, a lot of. I a mean, lot of you and I runners. have a lot of
1: specific interests, and our listeners yes. are like in like cross sections of these. Yes, we've got
0: interests. the runners. We've got the beer lovers. And then we've got people that connect with us on like Stop tech bets. stuff, like with you or crypto or like oh, what? Yeah. Just like these other random tangents that we go on. Yeah. So, so is that how you initially? learned about and became interested in it was because it came through work mm-hmm. or yeah. you okay so you were already previously what yeah what where was your like do you have a memory in your yes. head that was like this is the first time where I heard about this and it, it was, like changed me
2: yes so um I was the first person to really talk about crypto at my firm okay and so now everybody thinks I'm an expert and I always am like there's no such thing as an expert on this right <laughs> what, now <laughs> what
1: year was this was this like
2: I would say it was like 2016 or okay. 2017 so you, it was 2016 so mm-hmm. they weren't
1: like thinking about this, like taking you out of the firm because you're like a crackpot. Like, yeah, it's not like 2010. it's not like 2010. If you, if you <laughs> no, 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 to, no, 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 not
2: at all. Like, there's okay. at least like there's
1: Coinbase at this point. <laughs> right. There's like some yeah, yeah, mainstream stream. Yeah, no, stuff, yeah. for sure. We, but I still mean, before uh, a bunch of the super, large. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 this
2: is
0: before yeah. it was like mm-hmm. talked about at Christmas. Basically. Exactly. <laughs> before like,
2: then. A lot of people still had no idea what it was. I actually, um, I followed this account as soon as I went vegan called (laughs) (laughs) vegan.com and uh, I followed him on Twitter and on Facebook and um, he was hilarious and I would often respond to his comments and his tweets and finally like he responded back (laughs) and we became friends (laughs) and he's now one of my really close friends and he was an early proponent of Bitcoin. In fact, he's very wealthy now because of it, <laughs> uh, I think. But, you know, he, he did really well because he believed in it in, t- in 2013, which, which was when people thought it that, was a crackpot product. That, right. you know? that was early. Yeah. yeah. That and was so early. he was the one who introduced me to the idea of, of crypto, um, mostly Bitcoin, and getting into it. And I was like, sure, I guess. And I kind of like thought about it, but was like, oh, I don't know. And then... I was listening to a Rich Roll podcast and Rich Roll said something like, man, yeah, that Bitcoin, I, get get I gotta get on that. You know how he says that <laughs> yeah, a yeah, lot? Yeah. Like he's like, I gotta get on that. And yeah. he said that about Bitcoin and I was like, you know what, so do I. And I bought some Bitcoin that day because Smart. of him. Yeah. yeah you and um, you know, as a hodler, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, I wanna know more about this stuff. And I actually became far more interested in blockchain than in crypto. Um, I felt like now there is scale. You know what I mean? Like that's something that could be as revolutionary as the internet.
1: That's the value. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So did you originally buy it as like sort of like a penny stock investment? Exactly. That's like maybe panning out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. I was
2: like, this is like me putting pennies into a jackpot. Right. You know? right. Like, yeah. Maybe it, it works. Maybe. Yeah, and, then, exactly. and then
1: it was more of like the social and technology aspect behind it.
0: Sorry to interrupt this Exciting program, but quick plug Allworld, ALWRLD.com, the leader in clean sport sustainable, active wear, eco-friendly. Head over to their website and use code BEERMILE15, that's all one word, for 15% off everything in the store. And that is also free domestic shipping.
1: I mean, this is really good reminders just because I always am so late to buying Christmas presents. Exactly. Go buy your people their gifts, you It's know? so
0: simple, and believe it or not, the shirts that we're wearing, from recycled, upcycled, uh, natural biodegradable materials, um, this shirt that Adam is wearing is actually 100% on the clean score. It's made of one-of-a-kind seaweed-derived fabric called Sea
1: Cell. I'm wearing seaweed right Dude, now. you're wearing seaweed. That's kind of nuts. 100% That's cleaned. really trippy. Isn't that it nuts? Fe- it doesn't feel like seaweed. That I know. It would probably it just, be more it, uncomfortable. It feels
0: like your most comfortable active wear you could imagine. Allworld.com, A-L-W-R-L-D.com. Beer Mile 1-5 is the code.
2: Yeah, so really I just wanted to understand what it was. I don't like not understanding things. Well, so especially as an investor. Yeah, as an investor. <laughs> and so I remember I literally bought this book like that like took you all the way back to caveman times to discuss like what is the value of things? How do you value things? Like the barter system yep. to the yeah. minting of coin currency. And it really Like, because I was trying so hard to figure it out. And it wasn't until I read that book and I really brought it to that level of like bartering for like, you know, a bushel of kale for like, you know, a bushel of grain, like that I finally understood. Oh, okay. Now I understand why Bitcoin came into existence. I understand the value of trust. I understand, you know, scarcity. Yeah. I understand. I couldn't understand the inherent value of crypto, and it wasn't right, yeah. until I read that book that I was like, okay, now I get it.
0: I, I love when, like, anyone that I talk to that doesn't has it, like, doesn't know about it or hasn't done research, whatever. It's always well, like. But it's it, you. You can't hold it. Whatever it, it doesn't have any value. Like it, it's not like they're in reference to like the U.S. dollar or whatever. Like, do you it's have like, dollars it, in your so, hand? Like, like oh, it's just this make-believe like digital thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's what like the U.S. dollar is too, right? Like you realize that. I mean, there's there's a physical form of it, but like that only has value because we all think it has value. Yeah. It's the same concept,
1: but for some reason, because it's I guess new and only digital, it's. I mean, I, I think a lot about how I remember when i was younger and you would like buy something on ebay and use paypal i remember my parents being like <laughs> don't trust it paypal <laughs> this seems sketchy this seems
0: sketchy <laughs> what is this thing yeah yeah oh,
3: i mean putting so a, putting
0: a credit card number into the internet into your web browser was like a massive oh. thing which on, then, which
1: honestly back then is probably valid because there are a lot of security. Well, holes back of course. Then. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Easy to exploit. But which right. is
2: also the irony, right? Because blockchain, at least Bitcoin blockchain, is one of the most secure ways to transact business in certain yeah. respects, right? From a cybersecurity perspective. M- my exactly.
1: my favorite thing about uh, kind of like the Bitcoin craze leading up to probably what, twenty eighteen? Twenty
0: seventeen uh, winter. Sure. So like leading into yeah, yes. that's into when it January went to for, like twenty grand. And that's yes. when it like shot up, and then um, it was in the crypto winter for a while. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, Chris is like, I'm going to retire. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right.
2: you bought your car with a uh, with your crypto. I mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah I, and I didn't like actually buy it with crypto, but I was making the point of like, hey, just three years ago, I set aside this much money in Bitcoin, and. Now look, it hit 25X and I bought
1: yeah, a car with yeah. it. Like, how, just like the the idea that you could... How good does that feel when you're talking to your wife? Oh, so good. Oh, why <laughs> so was good. she
2: against it? I, she... I, uh,
0: Yes and no. I mean, she she trusts me she to was, make she, she trusts like me to make good financial like. uh, decisions. But yeah, she's very inquisitive. She's like like try to explain it to me, and I, I'm trying to explain it the best I can. And she's like, I just still don't get it. Like, it doesn't exist. Like, what is it? And, right. and I and I'm I'm learning more and more as I read more books of better ways to explain it to someone who's right. never heard the concept before. But it but it is still tough. I, I feel like most of the and part of the adoption like the the reason it takes so long for adoption to happen and where we're at currently is a lot of the stuff is tailored to someone who's either like a background in coding. So like, yeah, like actually di- understanding digital, the math and the yeah. crypto, or it's just starting at like a more advanced level where I think,
2: yeah, you're going to have to
0: I mean, understand like economics generally to
1: even be able to like enter down this it path. Saw, it of solves a large scale problem that you don't think about every day.
2: That's exactly right. Exactly. It's, it's because we take it for granted. Yes. yes. That is yeah. the problem. And so that's why it was so helpful for me to read that book where was like okay now you can't take it for granted like kale grain <laughs> like right. what do you how do you deal with this like you want kale they want grain you know like how do you deal with that and like why is it now that before we were able to just say oh you want some kale i got kale oh you have grain i need grain and then that's business right yeah. now there's like 50,000 people in yeah. the kale grain transaction that really Do they need to be there? Like, why do they need to? Why do I need a Chase Bank to to help me with my kale grain trading? You know, like that's really what it is. And the more people who are involved in your transaction, the more at risk it becomes for fraud, for greed, for uh, cybersecurity issues, and and honestly, just
1: like waste too. Waste absolutely.
2: So. You know, which is a nuanced conversation, given the amount of energy that is involved with keeping the blockchain we're, alive, we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. <laughs> I think Bitcoin is going to be hard to do yeah. that um you know, and I'm skeptical of of e getting there, you know, I just don't know proof of stake and. That's probably been informed by me representing, you know, the creditors and the cred bankruptcy, but we'll see.
1: It, it is um, – back to like the height at like in late 2017, early 2018, I just – I feel like I remember so many um, – like especially I, – I think Accenture too had uh, – I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but probably – um, but they they um, had like a whole. I was actually
0: going to say that. So I was when I worked at Accenture, I was on the project where we launched blockchain for contracts. It oh, was a cool. new thing. Uh-huh. But but so I just wanted to...
1: emphasis on the quotation marks that the audio only listeners. Can <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. No, I
0: mean that's what it was called, and it, it to my knowledge it wasn't. I mean, I left when it was kind of just being rolled out. But so I one one question I had was, do how do you think about it? So we're kind of we're kind of talking about it as a as a currency or a store of value that sort of uh use case but in the use case for blockchain on like in your world the lawyer world on contracts and like auto execution of mm. contracts and that sort of thing it seems to me like that's very viable use case yes. but i don't know if i don't i haven't seen it like play out in practice yet
2: so there are a couple of things right like as somebody who and, and you may relate to this as somebody who bought into the blockchain and, and crypto earlier on, to me, um, when you get to the fundamentals of blockchain technology, it is about that inherent value. And what is that inherent value? It's decentralization. Right. And uh, it is um, security. Right. Like those are the two big things and they're related to each other. The problem that I see with kind of these scaling issues, if you want to make it applicable to your business or to an industry, there are certain um, uh, impairments, I guess, or um, susceptibilities that kind of go hand in glove with trying to tailor the blockchain to your specific need. And, you know, for example, like antitrust law, right? You know, if everything is available on the blockchain, everybody can see everything at any time for the history of the blockchain, and there's, and it will stay on there forever. We have serious privacy issues. We have serious antitrust issues, right? Because antitrust is a mm-hmm. function of sharing, improperly sharing information mm-hmm. that's anti competitive, right? And this particularly happens in the supply chain, right? Because you've got different tier suppliers, yep. right? And, you know, like it's one thing to share information between t- tiers, but within a tier, that's a problem from an antitrust perspective. Right. So how do you actually leverage the power of blockchain to protect against these types of situations like privacy issues, antitrust issues or any number of other legal regulatory ramifications? Right. The problem with that is then you start having to privatize things. You start having to come up with these what consortia. Right. That's yep. what they called it. Or, or private blockchains. Well, private blockchain
3: and is no longer decentralized. decentralized. Right? And that's yeah. exactly
0: what the blockchain for contracts was at Accenture right. was. It was um, based on Corda, which basically is like the the government-type voting where it's like... Right. So Accenture still just owned the blockchain. Yeah. So it's right. like, we have more voting
1: rights than everybody. It's like, pack. that defeats I mean, the point. It's the 51% problem, but just like as a company. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, so
2: like, look, do I... I always say this. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You, you're never going to get it perfect, right? So... You take what you can learn from pure blockchain technology, which in my mind, Bitcoin is really like the purest, right? It's the first, it's the purest, it's the most decentralized, and it's thus the most robust when it comes to security, right? But it's also, you know, moves at a glacial pace, right? right, Because of those reasons, right? But like if you take that and you take the ideas from that. And then extrapolate that to whatever your need is and solve your problem, even if it solves it only 60% that's great. That's wonderful. That's technology. That's yeah. how progress works. Right. Yeah. But do I think that some of these things are really blockchains? Not really. And, exactly. and and also the other thing, you know, people used to say this all the time, including my colleagues, they'd be like, well, I don't think crypto will last, but I think blockchain will be forever. I'm like, hello. <laughs> so like you can't, like, can't have one like, without the other. Right, like, right. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense, you yeah. know? And it really did evince this sort of fundamental lack of understanding of how these two work together,
0: yeah, and, and going back to the uh, like not understand, we, we take for granted that the U.S. dollar is actually has been safe historically. It you don't lose all the value in the U.S. dollar over time, huge inflation, all of that. Whereas you know a lot of other countries in the world don't have that same uh, level of security, and so right. it makes so there are things that we take for granted, don't comprehend, because
1: we're like, or even oh, my, why like, wouldn't I
0: just use my U.S. dollar for that? Well, not everyone has that luxury like, exactly. of having that currency to do that.
1: Almost, I mean, at, at this point, it's almost a, a separate issue of, like, accessibility. Like, I, I remember there's a, a ton of countries that, like, just straight up, their banks didn't have, they weren't digital. Yeah, so, like, if, yeah. If, blockchain, yeah. If, if Bitcoin is digital, that's, like, a huge leg like, up.
0: Yeah, you have access to something, exactly. So if you were to, like... Today, going forward, if you were to invest, what, are you are this you is, are you a Bitcoin only? Th- this is legal advice. No, this is the, okay. Le- this is legally. not financial advice. <laughs> financial but, but advice. <laughs> frame frame differently, not in a financial advice way. Are you are you a Bitcoin like maximalist, or do you think there's any of the other projects that are and, and, and maybe we'll throw in Ethereum with Bitcoin because mm-hmm. it's a little bit different use case. Um, but like, is there are there any other projects that you think? are more than just hype.
2: I think that, I think, uh, all of it is more than just hype right now because we're at such a nascent phase still of kind of it, it as a thing. And and now with NFTs, you know, here's the way I view it. Uh, NFTs is a very interesting thing because prior to that, I viewed it purely from a business perspective, right? Transactional, like blockchain is a transactional thing for me. It's a place to transact things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought of it for, it's other than through trademark and copyright law, right? Like again, in me, very transactional, right? I never thought of it as sort of as an art world thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And then I um, was talking to a friend who's like totally obsessed with NFTs, right? And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I have a photograph on my wall. Like, what the heck do I want a, you know, JPEG for? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. what, is, what is that for? And he was like, well, if you think about it, and this is me because I don't play Fortnite. I haven't, I haven't played that game. I've never played you know, it before. I've played The Sims, so I sort of have an understanding of how, how avatars work. Mm-hmm. But at my age, I wasn't really, like, at that point where I can make that leap is – this is the world. Yeah. In 50 years, we're all going to be ready. It's Ready yeah. Player One,
1: yeah, if you've it, seen it or read it. it, it exactly. Yes. It's, yes. This
2: is like, there is a whole, you know, world of young people now where Fortnite is almost as real to them as me the, walking the out the street. That yeah. they're bringing to school. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So like they are, you know, when I buy a an NFT or the right to an NFT, whatever you, you want to call it, when I get an NFT, what I'm actually doing is outfitting my my home digital yeah. my digital home yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. like i've got yep. four walls in my digital home and i want to put artwork on it so that when i have digital guests come over to my right. digital home they'll yes. be like oh my god you got one of
1: those right. you know like right. you're
2: wearing a gucci nft on your wrist you know like things I, like I that i'm
1: surprised that like more um like large uh like just consumer product companies haven't gotten into nfts
2: well i mean think about it how hard is it for you to sit down and explain over dinner to your friends what an NFT even is? It
1: depends Impossible. on the person.
0: You just, you just described it and explained it better than I've ever heard it explained before. I'm going <laughs> I, completely my, honest. My, I have uh, not been that articulate. when I've been asked
1: my typical how to one it. is like, um, like, why do middle aged men collect baseball cards? Like same reason as NFTs. And if they're, fa- if they're a fake baseball card, that degrades their value.
0: I think that reason though is not as good. No, it's <laughs> <definitely>, <laughs> as Joanne's because that like well you're what you're because then I could just say ah oh, well, I can forego collecting the baseball cards like that's not a big deal but but right. saying like my livelihood in the future right. in my digital world is Well yeah, so that's why it.
2: if you think about it if you just ex- it, like expand that right like notion that you know and this is again it all goes back to these same things it's like we are now living in a world of very severely dwindling resources there is no more land okay yeah. out there for us to destroy okay it just is it, it, we see it all around us what we haven't destroyed it will be burned up essentially right so when i think about this we have two options we you know hire the elon musks of the world to forage for us land in the you know universe extra-terrestrial yeah extraterrestrial space. space or we go inward That is where the digital universe is still ripe for the picking, right? Because although I was just reading about, um, you know, there's Meta, which is a joke. Uh, And then then there's Decentraland, which is very interesting, right? You can actually buy digital real estate right now. And how do you buy it? Cryptocurrency. That is why I think all of it is more than just hype. Because at a certain point, this is all the money that you're going to be able to have in order to transact any business, buy anything, NFTs, real estate, whatever. I
1: think NFTs were the thing that like did it for me as far as crypto goes, because it, it was actually for me, like digital scarcity never felt like a
2: A real thing. thing. I was like, I
1: was like, come on. Yeah, I get, you only have 2 million blocks that you're going to whatever. But with NFTs, I was like, okay, like I, Kind of get it where it's not so much a scarcity as it is like your persona or like um, I don't know, were you like a Millsbury kid or like a webkins type of person you, I know, actually you like don't even know I what have you're no talking idea what about. those are yeah God, I, you know what actually most of our listeners are younger than than that, so they probably won't rem- they won't remember but webkins were like these uh, physical toys that you would buy and they had a, a tag on them that you would go to the webkins website. And you like enter that on and it would like unlock this like digital room. And the more you bought, you would mm. like get these certain attributes where you could like spin on the wheel and you'd get a fancy mm. hat that you could like decorate mm. your little character for. And I was yeah. like, so like webkins was way ahead of its time.
2: Well, like, I mean, yeah. if you think about I used to play Final Fantasy all the time. Absolutely. So it's the same thing. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I need to get these things to unlock my next weapon. Yes. Like, and you would become obsessed with it. Right. Like, it was just like. Oh God! I need to do this. And if you just take that little nugget of like our psychology as human beings, like the lizard
1: brain. Yeah, like we need to get
2: these things. Like even though like they literally have no actual impact on our regular lives. Like our. Enjoyment was a function of our ability to, you know, get enough experience Achieve points. This yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like yeah. get enough potions to it's get like, the main potion, yep. you know? Get
1: it, like, getting a, a Pokemon with specific, what is it, IVs, EVs? What's the, what's the, thing? oh, like the, the
0: stats? Yes. Yeah, the different stats. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. You grind, what you, the... But
1: you grinded for it as a kid. Oh, you, you grind like, for it. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got to max out the stats. Totally. For sure.
2: and, and so that's really, in some ways, like, NFT is like doubling down on that concept and right. for better or worse, you know, that that is probably where we're headed. And if you want to be prepared for it and have any money when <laughs> yes. in that world, you, in my opinion, it makes sense. Look, no one is telling you you got to pour your life savings into right. it, you know, but if you got a little bit of money, um, you know, maybe divert some to some crypto to make sure that you're prepared for that. Honestly, in our lifetime, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think in these young people's lifetime, it may.
0: For sure. Definitely coming on quick. So with the energy side of it, like Mm. specifically for Bitcoin, Mm. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to hear your side on this. I go back and forth on, well, our improvements and solar energy and all these other pieces are going to continue to advance exponentially. So is that going to cover what we need? Or how do you look at it?
2: That I don't know. To be honest, I do not know. And again, I'm, obviously very influenced by Rich, but you know, I did listen to his podcast recently, him and, and Adam were talking about this and they were, you know, they did a whole thing on NFTs and, and they were talking about how perhaps E is, is kind of the hope for the future proof of stake. And, you know, my concern with proof of stake and I, I welcome people to prove me wrong is that it simply won't be as secure as proof of work. I just, that's my concern. And if it isn't, then it, then that's, that's the cost, right? I mean, yeah. Mathematically,
1: yeah. that's consistent.
2: Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm not I, a mathematician, I, I so. but yes. I mean, like to me, yeah. like leaving it to something absolutely random right. as opposed to this other more subjective kind of thing. Exactly. I'm like, mm, this just doesn't give me the good feels, right? Yes. From a security yes. standpoint. So that, that makes me feel some kind of way. But at the same time, we cannot deny the amount of energy that is you know, now being taken to run what I believe is a dinosaur. I mean, I literally in my head think of this lumbering dinosaur when I think <laughs> of the blockchain, like the Bitcoin blockchain, because it's the first of its kind, yeah, you yeah. know? It, it like, feels
1: like, um, what was that one movie where it's like all the animals and there's like a bunny as a cop and the sloth is at the DMV?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, that's,
2: that's, like that's, Bitcoin. that's Bitcoin, you know, and so there's a trade off to it. Yeah. Do I think that if the energy could be sourced from more renewable means that that could be an improvement? Totally. And that's my hope. But I will say it has, I guess, caused me to hit the pause button on buying more Bitcoin. You know, yeah. it has, yeah. I mean, not that I need it. It's like Bitcoin's like all over the freaking place. And I'm like, always so like, if I buy it now, what if it goes all the way down to blah, right, blah, blah, right. you know? <laughs> so yeah. like that inherent resistance is all like already there. But now there's a little thumb added to that, which is, well, what am I costing the planet by doing yeah, this?
0: That's true. My original, like over the past few years, my, my thought process has been, and this is perfect coming from the law world was how do I sell it? Like, Cause thinking about Bitcoin as an investment, I'm like, how do I sell this without paying taxes? <laughs> and then <laughs> but then but but now I've shifted to the point where I'm like, I'm never gonna sell Don't it. Don't sell it. That's the thing. Yeah. And and so like when it when I first got some and then it goes up and you're like, oh my gosh, like I doubled you my money. I'm going to sell like, it. Gotta, sell it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, but if I sell it, then I'm like, really, I'm only... And so I'm not making 100% profit. I'm making like 60% because the government's going to take, you know, all that stuff. And then I'm like, God, okay, how do I hide it?
1: The long is just like, oh, well, my transactions will be in Bitcoin.
0: But but that's the thing. So right. now now I've actually trained like changed my thinking because my thinking before was I need to move the Bitcoin back to U S dollars so I can have money and use it. But now I'm actually thinking the opposite of, well, no, I'm just going to have that. And then in yeah, the future someday where that's, what's needed to make purchases, yeah, you then can I'm, buy, I'm good to go. So you, I'll, I'll, you have US dollars, with, I'll have my U S dollars. I'll have my Bitcoin and then I can go. Yeah, exactly. I think I mean, they're, they're, like you can do real estate deals yes. if the sell. I mean if the seller is willing to uh, and it's like in New York City that's definitely a oh, growing thing. There was
2: a basketball player who recently was it a basketball player or a football player who recently demanded that his salary now be play, paid that. in Bitcoin. And
0: there are com- like a lot of the crypto companies uh they pay their employees salaries in oh, that's in, amazing. in Bitcoin which that's would be amazing. amazing. I I think if I, I I think if I were to sell my condo like and move you you in Bitcoin. I think I would I would I would, like, advertise that I'm willing to take Bitcoin for it. I mean, just... I, sure. It, in the event that it's going to go up at all in value, the c- relative value, be of like, course. Do you want to add but, free
1: money to your 401k for selling your house? Like, f- yeah. Kind of same difference. Yeah, I mean, it, I hear what yeah. you're saying. I, I, I mean, it's a, of course, it's, it's assuming a that it, it's, it, a, it's a, a gamble. It's, it's
2: still a gamble. A gamble. I mean, so
0: not investment advice. But I'm also yeah. I'm also comfortable at this point saying, you know what, mm-hmm. if if it all goes to hell and it goes to zero... That's why I have US dollars in a 401k and I just like, you know right. what? That's, Life goes on. Like, it's, y- yeah, you know, be
2: reasonable
3: about
1: you your take some risks. Yeah, to, yeah. That's my, yeah, that's that's my, my favorite rewards. thing about Gen Z and like, uh, like the wall street bets type of thing is like, it's either food stamps or, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, either
1: food stamp or a mansion. Here we go. Like, yeah, 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 yeah you like have the zero Lambo
0: zero or, 60, you, or yeah. you owe all the creditors money. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. <laughs>
0: What a wild world.
2: (laughs) It is. We live in a wild, really crazy world. It's very entertaining. Yeah, it is. It's entertaining. It's thought provoking. I think it's really good mental exercises to think about these things a little bit. Uh, Be prepared, right? Be prepared for what's coming.
0: Yeah. I I often think about, like, if I were to find a new job now, I would want, ideally, I'd want it in the crypto space, but what can I do as not a software developer? That's the hard part.
1: I think there's a lot of space in the in like the product domain with like yeah, your specific making it more consumer facing
0: consumer friendly yeah. and access. Yeah. For I mean, sure.
1: honestly, like, uh, from I think a technology it, standpoint, the blockchain is like not that complicated. O- unless you are trying to solve like the energy. question.
2: Yeah. I was like, there yeah. are certain problems that, so are, there are, obviously problems very
1: problems that are complicated. complicated. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying the underlying, yeah, the underlying math and everything. I is- mean, you could like, it, you can mint an NFT and, Really 13 quickly. lines of code. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, I think that, um, you know, what I always thought would be very helpful to me is, and there are probably companies that do this already, but like, I want to move my coin off of Coinbase. Mm-hmm. but I am terrified oh. of doing it. Like yeah. I am so, cause it's like, once you lose it, you lose it forever. It, blah, it, blah blah It
0: feels <laughs> like it is uh, very scary.
1: It feels like you're taking out an old N64 cartridge and you're like, I I'm going to blow on it. I really, <laughs> <that> it works. <laughs> I really hope it works. <laughs> if, if it doesn't work, I'm fucked. <laughs> uh, yeah, like Literally. Like
2: that's the thing. It's like, so that would be like what I want help with is, is like, if there's a company that I could trust, but that again, this Big all, thing. this right. all goes and, back to trust. And I I hate trust
1: and overhead and
2: like all that mm, stuff.
0: I hate Coinbase for centralizing it, but at the same time, do I feel a little more comfortable knowing that there's a company with a lot of money that can kind of back me up because they want me as a customer? So like, if something happens, they're going to back me up and like refund me you know do i like that or do i like to put it all in my own hands i don't know i mean they're
2: not insured you know so like i don't i mean i don't know that they could do any of. it could be another
0: mount gox someday it
2: could be exactly another mount gox or cred or any of these you know that have toppled
1: and it's it's like what uh pick your poison between that and like being the guy that lost his hard drive that is twenty million dollars. It. Exactly I put it on yeah. a USB and the USB <laughs> malfunctions or I lose it or I step on so it or If I you can't trust or... yourself,
2: then you gotta trust somebody else. Yeah. And that's really the Who dilemma. Do you trust more? Yeah. I mean this is these <laughs> are going, the you going know, back to
1: spirituality. What's yes, the what's the difference? See, what is
2: the difference? I mean like, see this is why I feel like blockchain is such a wonderful conversation. Why, like like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like it goes into like these really big psychological like what does it mean to be a human and like, you know, greed and trust and like all of these things that, this is where the value is. This is yeah. what people don't understand. Like, oh, right. there's no. This is just funny money, and I'm right. like, you don't understand. Like, don't you understand why it happened in 2008? Like, there's a reason,
1: right. like Why yeah. it,
2: you know, came yeah. out it's of that?
1: Because money was fake back then. Yeah, <laughs> like, because we all had people our figured own. it out. Yeah, <laughs> eyes were
2: open to just how effed up this They're system like, is. Wait,
1: you've been making this up for like <laughs> <Yeah>. 40 years?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh
1: my gosh. What closing questions do you have?
0: Uh, I I should pull up the couple of listener closing questions. Oh, yeah. We've done a disservice to our listeners. So the worst part of doing podcasts is that they have to end, which, honestly, it's my least favorite part because I I feel like we 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 very rarely have a guest where I don't want to just keep going forever, basically. Oh, yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. Well,
2: that's good.
0: Yeah, it's (laughs) great. Yeah. I it's I don't know. I I love getting to know people, their stories and this is the perfect avenue to do it.
1: I'm also just yeah, like at, that's why I'm notoriously late at work cuz I'm just like, yeah. The last meeting we were we were just rambling for a little while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, it's kind of what I do well, at this point. The best,
0: I like to do the best, it. Yeah, best, yeah,
2: to get the ramble.
0: Okay, so a question was so especially lately you've done a lot of news media podcasts all these different things what are what's been your favorite mm. and then has there been any that have been like super awkward or like it turned out poorly or anything like that
2: Um I'll I'll answer that first one first um because it's the easier one um I did have one interview that I really didn't enjoy and I felt like they were asking questions that were inappropriate um, they are asking me about my firm, mostly. Oh. And I was like, uh, like, I don't represent my firm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I represent me. Yeah. Um, so I can't speak to what the firm does or thinks or feels about this stuff. You know, I can tell you what my personal experience has been. Um, and then they also started asking me about Donald Trump and you know i understand to a certain degree like yeah that'll come up because of my writing on the topic you know but they were asking again in connection with my employer and i was like i'm not going there it's like why are you
1: having me on like (laughs) yeah like what is uh, (laughs) you obviously have a a fairly clear direction of like your personal brand and that's like not at the forefront of it
2: well and okay. Like, you know, people have different reasons for asking me questions. So it was a, a, you know, a a paper in the legal industry. Mm -hmm. And so I I was very uncomfortable, but luckily my PA, you know, my publicist was like, "Mm, hello, (laughs) like she's not answering that. And then they followed up with the, you know, the journalist to be like, we just want to make sure that you know, it's very clear that Joanne doesn't represent the firm. You know, she represents the Korean vegan. And uh, and the article turned out great. Like, it was beautiful. It was perfect. Um, you know, a couple of my other TikTok friends were featured as well. And it was great. So, you know, it, it wasn't the most comfortable experience, but ultimately it turned it out fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> much harder is like, what is my favorite? Like, that is so hard. I have met incredible people. Like, unbelievable journalists, thought leaders, writers, um, activists, um, you know, people like Rich Roll. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's certainly an epoch, right? Like I, yeah. I was like a mess, like, but you know, Amp- Anthony can attest to it. <laughs> I was a total disaster. And the thing is I had a photographer from the LA times come that morning, the same day of the podcast to do a photo shoot for the, you know, the feature in the LA times. And so I was just a complete basket case. And then, it was like the most surreal thing. How do you explain to someone like, I'm actually going to be meeting this person that has had probably more influence on my life than anyone other than my parents. You know, like I don't, I don't even know like what to think or how to prepare. Like what if he hates me? Like what if he thinks I'm weird or like, you know? So, I mean, that whole podcast was amazing. I think the media, um, you know, the LA times, Washington post, um, you know, those two were amazing. the, you know, both because of the women who wrote them, you know, Steph, She's a lawyer. She's a fellow lawyer. She's a novelist. Um, and so to be, and she's Korean American. So to talk to her at that level was incredibly rewarding. And she wrote this piece that just, you know, made me cry. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Monica. You know, she came to our house. She's sitting at this dining table. And we made her an entirely Korean meal. Ooh. And we got to hang out with her for like three and a half hours. She like lives down the block, apparently. <laughs> and, you know, again, you know, I got very emotional during that conversation because she's such an incredibly involved inviting, warm woman. So it's very hard to pick and choose, but I've been very fortunate to meet incredible writers and journalists and, and, you know, people who make an impact in a way that I could only dream of doing. And that's the most rewarding part about these types of pieces.
0: Yeah. And do you find enjoyment? So you've described yourself as being, I guess, more like, like you've had to come out of your shell over time and learn to, um, Be out there uh, a little bit more. So, has is this enjoyable? This process of really promoting the book and just nonstop Mm -hmm. back to back to back and all all this piece of it, or is it like, do you is it very tiring? And you're like, this is so much, and you. Really, would rather just be working on the next book, or you know, doing doing more content behind the scenes.
2: Well, enjoyable and tiring are not mutually exclusive. Very true. 100%. Very you know, true. Like when you go yeah. to Great America and you're having the time of your life, standing in line and going on these roller coasters. At the end of the day, you're like, oh my god, yeah, very so true. Tired. Yep. You know, yep. you sleep in the next morning. It's the same thing, right? You can go on a bender at night and, and hope to God that you don't have to wake up, right? <laughs> <Yep>. so, <laughs> so, like those things are not mutually exclusive. So, I'm having a wonderful time uh, with the book tour. You know certainly the, you know, meeting all these journalists and and meeting all these cool people, like better part about it is meeting my followers. Like that has been so amazing. Like seeing my community in person at some of these book signings and book events and getting to hear their stories and, and talk to them is like indescribable to Mm -hmm. me. So of course that's very fun, but I'm also, like, now at a point where I'm like, okay, I really need to focus on my health. You know, I need to focus on, like, you know, recovering from that because it was a marathon in a different yeah. way. Right. And so I'm really happy that I get to be at home for a stretch of time. I mean, I'm going out of town next week, but hopefully not for very long. Um, but, you know, I get to create content, do things that are sort yeah. of like my bread and butter when it comes to the Korean vegan.
0: Yeah. And another question was on... Uh, Speaking of you know being in the public eye, the criticism Mm -hmm. as well. Anytime that you have a million views on a video anywhere, you're going to have a ton of haters.
2: You guys know. We we got haters.
0: We got you know. We
1: don't. We don't have a million views, but we have haters. But we have haters. (laughs) Don't worry, we have haters. Uh,
0: But but yeah, dealing with that, I guess, and maybe even comparing how you dealt with that four or five Mm -hmm. years ago versus now, where you've matured a lot in the process and probably have had some, had some, uh, ways to learn to cope with it over time.
2: I think that it's funny. Like I, um, you know, for most of the Korean vegans existence, I didn't have a lot of negativity. Like I just didn't, because it didn't have a lot of play, like it wasn't being viewed enough where the, you know, just statistically speaking, I wasn't just getting a you know, enough views to merit that kind of trolling and negativity and to the extent it did happen it was so infrequently that i was like okay like whatever you yeah, know like what, I'm whatever a, yeah. one bad
1: comment for yeah, 99 exactly, good ones. exactly. i'm yeah. not gonna pay
2: attention um in the last year it's become much more um, frequent um personal uh mm-hmm. and more hurtful, like yeah. very much more hurtful. And in some cases like downright disgusting and violent, you know, like, you, oh, get, well. you get
1: into like the 1% of 1% of people who are just like attacking. Like, a pretty Literally evil, like or, sick. Like, like yeah, I feel like, like they're yeah. mentally yeah. unstable,
2: you know, yeah. and, um, and the internet allows them to do whatever they want. You know, they can say whatever they want. They can, you know, put things into my DMS and, you know, it's horrible. And, I don't know, really. Like, I wish I could say that I had a really good answer to it. But, you know, Anthony can attest to the fact that he can probably tell by now, oh, you must have had a bad comment on one of your things. Or you must have got an ugly DM. Because it, it really does bring me down sometimes for the whole day, yeah, sometimes longer. Not,
1: like, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, et etc. Like, they don't have good troll control. Well, really. I
2: mean, I think it's because it's so hard to tell the difference between trolling yeah. and something that's might be constructed right, or, right, right. you know, might actually be a contribution to a dialogue that needs to happen. And right. I'm open to that as a lawyer. I, I know what that is. Um, and you know, I, I try to continue to tell myself, don't take this personally, you know, all of those things at the end of the day if I wanna be engaged with the good, then unfortunately I need to be exposed to the bad. So I need to learn how to kind of grow a thicker skin to the bad while remaining open to the good. And that's, that's the challenge. I could easily just shut myself off.
3: Yeah, but then just I do never it, look at and, comments yeah, ever yeah, again. But then I
2: do it completely, you know? Yeah. And, and what yeah. a horrible thing that would be for the community, right? Yeah. So that's just unfortunately reality. And what that means is realistically, every once in a while, I'm not going to be happy. I'm just going to be upset. I'm going to get angry or I'm going to get hurt. And that's just the cost of doing what I do, unfortunately. I have a therapist. The the human
1: experience. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's never
2: going to be perfect and that's okay.
0: Yeah, I know. I know some people just won't look at any of the comments, but it's like, well, then you're missing out on connecting with your audience, and that's like such a big piece of it. So you might be saving yourself from a couple comments, but you're missing out on a lot of opportunity. A lot of
2: opportunity. I mean, and if that's what you want, that's totally okay. You know, if you're the Betty Crocker of the world, you don't don't, don't need the extra.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, I, I like compare that to a roller coaster, where like, well, do. you, just want to go the same level, or do you want to go up and down? And I like up and like down is kind of fun. It is.
2: It can be fun. It's and true. Then, yeah, it it's can true. be fun um, as but long
1: as you have somebody telling you that it's a roller coaster, or and you have your seatbelt on. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Those are the couple
0: of main listener questions that we had come in here. Do you have I any almost, any I other want to close questions? Out. That
1: was like so um, pure and wholehearted that maybe we just end there. I I, I think that's all
0: right. No so words where, of wisdom. Where can the people find you. I mean, I think it's pretty easy at this point. So we'll, in the description of if you're or, where, wherever, you know, where, wherever you're listening, YouTube or Spotify or Apple podcasts, we'll mm. have a link to the book in the description, link to the socials, link to the website. Yeah. Uh, it's the Korean vegan. It.
2: It's pretty easy. Pretty
0: simple to find. <laughs> yeah. Any cl- So Adam and I always do our attempt at words of wisdom at the close of a podcast. Do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners? And it doesn't have to be serious words of wisdom too. You mm. can, you can mess with them if you want.
2: I do. I'm not good at the messing with people okay. at least
0: not, <laughs> not
1: that kind of direction. I would
2: say like, this is like something that i I said a long time ago in one of my first TikTok, in one of my earlier TikToks, and that I actually go back to a lot because I wish I had told myself this when I was younger, which is, you know, um, think less about what soothes your fear and more about what brings you joy and the things that you do. You know, I think it's important to think about both, but I think so many of us think too much about what suits our fear and not enough about the things that bring us actual joy, whether it's in our career, in our family, in relationships, all of those things. I think if we spent a little bit more time putting the thumb on the scale on the side of joy and less on the side of fear, we might do things totally differently.
0: I love that. I like that. That's good. Then I just need you. Last thing is, I just need you to sign <laughs> my book. I, I, sign. Sign book. I, I knew will. it. I knew it. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thank, and thank you, Joanne, for oh, coming on. Thank you for on. having me. It was this such was a pleasure. pleasure. Oh, pleasure's blessed. all ours. It was yeah. so fun. Now thank we get you. to
2: eat some pute chicken. Let's do
0: it. it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Thanks so much for tuning into our conversation with Joanne Molinero, the Korean vegan. Hope this one was thought-provoking for you and leaving you with a little bit of inspiration for the day. Make sure to follow us on social channels. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on TikTok, we're everywhere at Beer Mile. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash beer mile if you'd like access to even more content and behind the scenes, uncut, uncensored, exclusive giveaways, you name it, we've got it. We'd also really appreciate if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star podcast review so we can keep this thing going. Thanks again, Joanne, for cooking for us, for inviting us into your home. You are an amazing friend and an inspiration for all of us out here. We've got a link to her book, The Korean Vegan, in the description So take a look at that, and we hope you all have a wonderful day. See you next week on another episode of the Beer Mile Podcast. Peace.